Welcome to episode 30 of Zap to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I am joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 15 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and scored a hole-in-one with Leaderboard, discovered seconds per frames with Southern Bell, and heaved and jumped with Hess Games. This week, we conclude our look at the games reviewed that month, along with what was showing on TV and at the cinema in July 1986. Graham, what do we have to look forward to in this episode? In this jam-packed cool box of an episode, we don our spandex space pants and go for a dig with Boulder Dash 3, jump and flap in frustration with the sonically interesting Bombo, and travel repeatedly through time with the multiverse madness of Biggles. We also climb in the cockpit of a small aeroplane for a vectory flight with solo flight and acrojet and try and make some kind of sense of the confusing and rep, 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 repetitive Max Headroom. If that wasn't enough, lurking at the bottom of our cool box, we have our Cheapest Creepers section where we flap the pinball flippers of Slamball, Mini Sick with the nauseating Neutral Zone and Boogie with the Blocky Breakdance. We also get egg sighted with the extraordinarily eggy return of the Space Warriors, battle the bewildering Berserkamoff robots of Seamus before finally having some cheap thrills with the budget space battles of sentinel are these games the cheapest link nice <laughs> lovely Ainsley Jarvis. lovely <laughs> all right what's our first one yeah go go graham go because tell us all about uh what what do we say last time about boulder dash 2 um, what it needs is a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> insert, insert review here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So our first game this month is the 93% scoring Boulder Dash 3. I think the problem with Boulder Dash games is that it's very hard to score them in anything other than the 90%. Because whichever way you do it, they're great games. So Boulder Dash 3 is an extension of Boulder Dash 1 and 2. There's a difference here. There's a sci-fi sort of tweak to this so uh, the graphics have been done in a style that they've self-branded as metal graphic which sounds like a craftwork album to me um and what it means is that it's set in space essentially with and there's this kind of graphic substitution so um it's still got walls mysteriously in space but um you've got kind of uh, the rockford character that was i want to say an ant but the rockford character of whatever that is is replaced by a little spaceman in a sci-fi world. Is he a termite? I think he might be it's a, a termite. termite. Whatever it is. In this Whatever is a, it is. And this is a termite with a spacesuit on. And you've still got diamonds to collect and all the usual kind of stuff that's in a Boulder Dash game. But in this, the rocks have been replaced by kind of orbs, and sci-fi orbs, the orbs of the sci-fi, the, the I don't know, shiny balls. I don't know. It, <laughs> it's, a, it's essentially a Boulder Dash game. So it's a, um, a kind of a multi-scrolling puzzler where you've got to navigate your way through the levels to collect the diamonds in order to open the portal to get to the next level and 
avoiding the boulders in this instance it balls that might fall on you if you um if you don't think about how you reveal the territory that you're in or unveil or pick away i don't know how you describe that really eat away so it's boulder dash with different graphics and the levels are quite well engineered and designed and you can choose the level you start at and you can play and they're quite difficult and it's boulder dash with different graphics so <laughs> that's what it is yeah. it's no way around that. that's what it is uh, I like Boulder Dash, so I like this. Um, more Boulder Dash is always a good thing. More Boulder Dash with 995. I have to say, I think there's a little bit of a push there. I'd have liked to have seen this at lower price. Um, mm-hmm. So, because it doesn't offer, as far as I'm aware, and I didn't get so far into it that it presented me with anything other than what I'd seen before, apart from in new clothes. But um, other than that, it's Boulder Dash, and it's good. So... I think it's time for the Boulder Dash construction kit thing, really. And in fact, um, one of the reviewers in Zap says this would have been better if it had a way of designing your own levels. And of course, we know that comes later. So I think this is really the last gas, the last grasp at making a Boulder Dash game of sorts, really, outside of that. But there it is. What do you think? Is it no, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same. It's Boulder Dash with spacey visuals. Yeah. Um, more screens are the same. It's more Boulder Dash. It's, it's, it's a hard game to actually in any way really say much about because we all know what boulder dash is you like you said you you munch through earth you collect diamonds you try to avoid falling rocks you get enough diamonds to progress to the next screen and open the trapdoor and you're off you, you know, exit and off you go you go to the next one there are they've changed the visuals so instead of fireflies there's other weird stuff moving around but it's the same same yeah. you get like um, a slime effect in this don't you where you it, like well, a, the, a growing slime thing well that's that, in the first one i, say, yeah, that, I was gonna very, say that's a variation of what's already existence in it so. yeah that's in the very first game i mean like i said don't forget I, I programmed a version of this and did the slime and everything so i know yeah. everything that's in that first game and there's nothing i don't i couldn't notice anything that was added to this nah. i would argue that you know, I understand at this point that bass relief visuals um, are, 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 are an in thing, you know, in the back of Paradroid and Iridium and those those kind of games. I would argue that they actually make this game less distinct to to sort of figure out yes. where to go. No, I agree. Because the colour the color scheme is too similar throughout. Yes. Yeah, I found myself confused between walls and what I was yeah but, i did as well. up against them what i could eat i have to say i agree completely i was you're right yeah. whereas you know the brown earth is clearly not not brick it's clearly not the wall it's the, the, the boulders everything looked very different in the original and worked it was very yes. easy to read yes so as a from a visual for a visual standpoint being able to read the levels such as they are in this is something you know you need to be able to do like that to do quickly mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, you know, even at that very, very first level, you've got to collect, what, 80 diamonds? Yeah, and it's kind of and you've got, black you've and got white. You've got to get around quick. Yeah, exactly. It's very grey. It's very, you know, it's a little bit, there's not much to it. And so I, I found that to be actually uh, not to be as good. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So I think that was a, a misstep, really. Mm. I see what they were going for, but it doesn't work in... Either you need to make... You need to make the thing because what are you eating? It doesn't make really much make sense. In the, in the first game, you're eating earth because that's what termites do. They burrow through earth or ants, whatever they do, they burrow through earth. In this, you're eating what metal panels? Yeah, and I think also that the logic of the positioning of the because it is kind of weird that it's the argument in the review, and I agree with them, is that where else can you go with it? No, the, well. The, the core premise of this game is what it is. And, and and I think they didn't want to go to the complexity of adding more enemy types. And, but that's what they should have done. Yeah, well, my argument would have been, 
keep the visuals, release it cheaper. Yes, and that's the other that's the other angle is that this should not have been nine ninety five, and I have to completely agree with you on that. This is an expensive yeah. rep- repetition of something with different trousers yeah, on. We, yeah, absolutely. And those different. It's the Malibu Stacy with a new hat. Exactly. Isn't it? When we've been to the pub before, now you and I, if <laughs> if you'd have gone to the pub with me wearing a pair of jeans, and the next time we went to the pub, you wore a different space pair trousers. of a different yeah, space trousers, space pants. <laughs> Um, it wouldn't have generally affected the level of enjoyment we had from the pub. In fact, for me, it would have actually made it more enjoyable because <laughs> the sheer volume of ribbon that you'd have got. But, My space trousers. And your space pants. But I only wore them once. <laughs> but yeah, you get the logic of it. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the same thing, but with, you know, with, with different pants on. That means that really you should have attended the pub cheaper. I don't know how that works, really. This whole, <laughs> whole metaphor has gone wrong. Completely wrong, but I like yeah, the idea of you in space pants all the same. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, but, but it's sort of a Bowie-esque outfit. Yeah, I just from, think, I think uh, it's just, a Ziggy Stardust era. I just think as soon as I hear space pants, I think of that that stupid Saturday Saturday um, live sketch with the what's his name, the guy from Game of Thrones, um, the smaller guy. I want to say I don't want to say what, <laughs> uh, just small guy, the smaller guy, the guy that's not as big as the others. <laughs> what? Oh, you've lost me. <laughs> You absolutely lost me. I'll, I was thinking you were going to go swing your pants, Trevor Simon. No, no, nothing like that. I'll send you a link to uh, Space Pants and you'll see what I mean. Oh, I know. you're on about Peter Dinklage, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. I just didn't want to say Yes. I, I don't know what the politically correct term for his... No, I, yes, okay. So yeah, that's why about I said Peter, he's, he's Peter, smaller than the, the giant. Yeah, t- the Tyrion. Yes. Tyrion character. Tyrion yes, okay. Lester, yes, yeah. He okay, is yeah. wearing Space Pants. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, if I went to the pub in them, in, you know, in Grimsby in the right. 1980s... You if. You, 1990s? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, only, only once did I when? wear my Space Pants. <laughs> when you went... <laughs> <laughs> they were they were a bold bold fashion statement <laughs> back when in the barge they had treadle tables for pub tables but that's going back a while yeah but anyway. yeah there's, there's not much else you can really say about Balderdash 3 is there I mean it's no. just more it's more bloody Balderdash but as I said the, the problem is it's it's harder to read and that, that I think yes I think they've made it more ugly yeah yeah it's yeah. just over egging over egging the pudding and yes and too many eggs in that pudding way too many eggs way too many sort of termite eggs there is no pudding on earth that has that many eggs even yorkshire pudding doesn't have that many eggs <laughs> you end up with a derail game if you do that <laughs> you do <laughs> critical ass critical ass with its thoroughbred brown anyway so much, so much brown anyway yeah that's boulder ash three it is good don't get us wrong it's more boulder ash so in in every respect of that grand just it's more boulder ash show you you're gonna whether you'd like it or not, yeah. Yeah, there you go. With, with the future future hindsight we've got, just wait. <laughs> yeah. Because the Baldur's yeah. construction kit comes along, doesn't it? Or whatever it's called. Yeah. Or not, because you can go play it now, because it's already out. Yeah. Well. Shh. <laughs> oh, Shh. no, yeah. No, you're playing along these games, same as we are. Yeah. Shh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we've had to put up with them. You can wait as well. The future is taking present in the past. It is done. <laughs> 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 Worst footstep noise ever. <laughs> uh, and I only know that quote because it's on the uh, Sorcerer's Mix of Deliverance by the Mission. <laughs> so it's how it ends. Excalibur uh, for those people that don't know what we're talking about just today. Bill maybe. Excalibur. Let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> Okay, so our next one. This is the second B game. Uh, and what we have here is we spoke about Bomb Jack a couple of weeks back. 
now we have the uh, the other version of Bomb Jack, Bombo. Um, and we mistakenly said <laughs> that we, we, we were <laughs> looking forward say, to Bombo. How wrong can somebody be about a yeah. thing? My, my memory of Bombo is clearly not the thing that same, I thought it was. You same. know, that, that, word, that word you keep saying, I don't think you, it means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> Inconceivable. Um, yeah, so... Because my first quote, my first note here is, why can't anyone make a good version of Bomb Jack? I thought this was going to be good. It is not. All right, so we know what Bomb Jack is. Bomb Jack, we've spoken about Bomb Jack a couple of weeks back. It is a single screen arcade game uh, where you play a, a guy called Bomb Jack and you jump around. There are a series of bombs on the screen and platforms. You collect all the bombs because you can jump up and down. There are enemies moving about. You collect all the bombs, you move on to the next screen. Repeat, rinse, repeat. It's an arcade game. It's very simple. The mechanics are pretty simple. You just go through the bombs to collect them, avoid enemies. That's it. This should be relatively simple to do on a C64. It's a single screen bloody game. So with this one, so here we have, we had Bomb Jack. Now we have the, you know, here we have the big mick um, of Bomb Jack. (laughs) Is this alligator that did this, Benny Jones? It, it is alligator, I think, oh, yes. Surprise, surprise. Um, so I'm not sure what went on here. I can only imagine that, again, this was get this game out, otherwise people are just going to go buy Bomb Jack. We need our game out quickly. Because this is clearly not finished. It's just not. It's rough so as rough as ass around the edges. The rasters flicker like something I'm, I've not seen since the argument you had. The you know the they try to do things off into the borders, but it's all over the place. Yeah, the sprites flicker, things flicker. Um, I got killed by an enemy that sort of kept hitting me through a wall. I'll come to the only good bit about this game in a minute. The visuals are wobbly again; they just wobble, they don't really move. The there's pers- a perspective nightmare backdrops are just the icing on this shoddy knockoff. Um, <laughs> Because those backdrops broke my head. I couldn't... The, the, the perspective on them seemed all wrong. It seemed all weirdly wrong, and I, I didn't like it. It was like looking at something that, you know, if you kept looking long enough, you, you'd go Lovecraftian on it. I, I, as I said, I got hit through walls. It's just not finished, and it need more time. I think this is just rushed out. The, the, there are a couple... The only couple of good things are saving grace for this. The sprites are the right size. In Bomb Jack, they were too big and you couldn't fit through stuff. At least in this, you can fit around the screen and everything like that, as wobbly as they are. Now, the only good thing about this game is the Wii Music soundtrack. Yes. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a corker of a soundtrack. This is their best so far. Um, there's, a, there's a range of tracks here that, uh, you know, fit the, fit the um, levels, whether it's um, sort of Eastern, um, sort of uh, Egyptian style, whether it's modern techno sort of thing. They, they they fit the game and, and it's a really great series of series of pieces of music that I know were as you you mentioned for the Ark Pandora one were, were, were plenty of demos and I remember hearing these tunes in plenty of demos yeah. around at the time I, as you may have you intimated about them it may be something about their play was very easy to rip uh, or whatever the music was very easy to pull out and just use because it was all over the place um, and it was really the absolutely like Comic Bakery we said about Comic Bakery the only reason to load this up was to listen to the music yeah. Because the actual game itself, again, it's, why is Bomb Jack? Why cannot someone do a bloody good version of this? It pains me because I like the arcade game Bomb Jack. It's fun. Did you like Bombo? No, no, I didn't. No. Um, and I don't get why it's so difficult to engineer a version of the arcade, really. Weirdly, like you, I had this idea in my mind that this was better than Bomb Jack. And I think that's because the music, I remember the music of Bombo. Because it's Ben Douglas, well, we music, but it's Ben Douglas, we music, music. Mm-hmm. And I re- distinctly remember the the um, the Egyptian level music. So they know they, they do 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 do. 
And I remember to this day thinking, and even now when I heard it again, I'm like, that's actually, it is really good, the music for this. And it is standout, the best thing about the game by Miles. Mm -hmm. The actual game itself is flawed in every possible way. Not like you say, the bugs and everything else. Just seems really strange that they can't seem to get this right. So I agree with you completely. It offered nothing. In fact, if anything, it was perhaps even worse controlled than the other one. Maybe, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it because I couldn't do the simple bomb jack stuff, just reaching the things that made sense. I made it to about level five, but that's because, weirdly, once you know the patterns of the enemies that are on the screen, they're actually pretty crap, and it's quite a simple game. So Uh getting through it and getting to the levels, but you've got to get past the the jaunty, badly drawn backgrounds in this. At least in the bomb jack variant of this, um, the backgrounds were, I, I hesitate to use the term good because they weren't great. But they were certainly better than Bombos. So, yes. whereas Bomb Jack had a bit of the graphics but didn't have anything else. This has got some music but not anything else. I think, it, it for me, this actually felt unfinished and buggy and perhaps pushed out a bit too quick. And it is genuinely a copy of a licensed game, which is an alligator thing, isn't it? Because isn't this the same company that made Who Dares Wins 2? And that's, that was an elite ripoff. And now this is another elite ripoff. Yeah, so, yes. Actually, no, this isn't alligator. It's rhino. Oh, rhino. Well, rhino, alligator. They're all animals in the jungle. <laughs> they are. So a rhino, a, a, a rhino a spin-off of alligator. I think there might be. I don't know. The sad thing is that this was, again, a near full price game for... And a little bit, again, out of its time. The graphics, just not very good. And this one in particular, the animation of the main sprite was awful. Mm. Just poor finishing and lack of care and attention and... And I wonder if it's just, you know, it was a limitation of the programmer's knowledge at the time. This is the best he could do um, because you've got you've got talented musicians and graphicians and because Tony Crowther and Ben Douglas would not have signed off on this music lightly on this game because they're both capable musicians and game makers in their own right. Mm. So anyway, I, I just think is. I just think it was a, another one. Get it out because we need to be near the release of Bomb Jack. Yes, I if, completely if you, agree. If you, if you wait another month or two, then people... Bomb Jack will be out of the zeitgeist. Yeah. It will be out of the discussion. People have played it and pff, no, who cares about Bomb Jack? It's old hat. Yeah, and they, they called it Bombo. It's the same thing. So, nah, just no. don't, don't bother. Yeah, but yeah. But, you know, great music. Yeah, the music's all good. Yeah, very yeah, good. Great, great music. Um, all right, there's Bombo. So that's Boulder Dash 3, Bombo, our, tri- our final in our Triple B, not to be confused with Triple H. Triple B. Triple B. Don't. Don't. Don't do... I don't even know what What is that? It's called Calibos. 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 He's got a B in his name. Now, you know, during the YouTube video of this, you have to put an image of Calibos in at that moment. Calibos. Calibos. The more you keep singing, the longer that picture of Calibos is going to be in. Color boss. Stop it. <laughs> right. All right. Our next game, Biggles, the adaptation of the film Biggles. Graham, what do we think about Biggles? So, okay. Now, Biggles is. <laughs> I, this is one of the games during this review period. I actually. Part liked and part didn't like. So this game was really, really yin and yang for me. Because this is kind of two games. Well, actually, it's more than that. So it's kind of, it's a game that's split into two halves. And the first half is kind of three mini games. Mm. And the second half is kind of one game. So the part one is you are Biggles. 
and you ha- can either be in a side-scrolling shooter with a biplane, shooting other biplanes. It reminded me of a PS3 game. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but it reminded me of that in a really early version with no bullets and sprites, like a bullet hell game. Couldn't tell you what it was for the life of me, but it reminded okay. me of that. Uh, it'll come back to me, whatever it was. But it, So it's a side-scrolling shooter, a la kind of scramble. You can drop bombs by holding down the button on the joystick, and you can mm-hmm. shoot. Now, if you happen to die in that, you get zapped in time to the another level of the another one of the mini games, which is one of them is you've got to jump across the rooftops to player and you control both players and you hold the mouse button down again to change player and you can jump across the gaps between these rooftops. You haven't got any weapons or anything, so you've got to kind of avoid the enemy patrols and leap across the rooftops. Similar in a very basic way, and I want you to just in your mind now, just blank your mind calmly. Okay. Similar I've to Assassin's it. Creed in the way that you can jump across rooftops, but totally not Assassin's Creed at all. <laughs> So and then and then if you get if you go z- any further, I won't help you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get zapped. Z- pardon the pun, zapped in the in that one. If you touch an enemy or you get seen or whatever, or you drop down the gaps in the buildings. You get to a third level, which is actually kind of a weird version of Green Beret because you kind of running across the ground and then you can go down ladders and you have to kind of navigate your way to the end of the level by going shooting across, shooting the enemy soldiers, and then going up and down ladders and trying to avoid in the machine gun nests and stuff like that. So that's kind of part one of the game. This is all based around the same logic of the film, and the film is basically that there's a weapon that's out of its time that you're, as Biggles, I think it transports you into different times, I think, in the film. I, I didn't watch the film. I meant to watch it. I never got to it. But I think there's a there's some kind of weapon that's transported either out of its time or you're transported out of your time. Either way, this game is a chase through time on the on these kind of levels. If you get past those levels on part one, you get a code. And then you can flip the tape over, or the disc, I imagine, and you can load in part two. And part two will ask you for the code. And part two is a bit like a simula- helicopter simulator, for want of a better description. Very basic one, where you can fly and sort of fly around. And the idea is that you've got a... So the helicopter's beamed back in, I think, back in time into your own Biggles' time. So you've got this kind of super-powered helicopter. And you've got to find your way to a camp and this to find this super weapons location. I think that's the basic premise of it. So mm. is it a good game? Kind of. Is it a good Biggles game? Who the hell knows what Biggles really is about and what? The film, <laughs> the film was all right. It doesn't really matter. This could be anygame.com. It doesn't matter that it's Biggles. I don't think, because that doesn't really feel... It doesn't feel like it's... Apart from the opening screen that says Biggles on it, there's not a great deal of Bigglesy stuff in it, really, that would make you feel really into that kind of universe. So, you know, it is essentially several mini-games all wrapped up in one game. The mini-games aren't bad. The jumping over the roofs one's a bit lame, but the shoot-em-up's all right, and the other one's all right. So it's got a nice side-scrolling shooter in it. It's got a kind of a Green Beret level. The level with the final helicopters, actually, the graphics and the gameplay get worse as the game progresses. It's got decent Ben Dalglish soundtrack, another Ben Dalglish, possibly Wii Music, but Ben Dalglish soundtrack at the helm of this. And so it's all right. Now, Zach didn't rate this particularly highly. They gave it kind of a 48%. It was full price, but they gave it 48%, which I think I think is a little bit harsh because the, the, the sprites reminded me in the levels that look like it, the bit like Who Dares Wins, the kind of that kind of size, that kind of thing. It was playable enough. Your machine gun, when you shot your bullets, it didn't shoot bullets all the way across the screen. It only shot them so far, so it wasn't like you could just kill lots of enemies. Maybe the logic was a little bit weak, mm. but there were some ideas in here to kind of create more than just a chase and pick up and move and do things game. And the Green Beret style level isn't bad. Obviously, it's not as good as Green Beret, but it's still got that. 
So I quite like my time with it. It wasn't the worst game I've ever played. So uh, that's what I thought. I just thought the second half was a lot worse than the first half. A bit like any England football match, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I think... I mean, one of the things you've not mentioned there, I'll, I'll just sort of start on, is um, the the music. No, I said the music. Um, the Ben Douglas music oh, did, is good. Did you say it? Sorry, I, I must have missed that. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I actually really quite like that Do You Want to Be a Hero opening title track. Yeah, because that's from um, the film. It is, yes, I know, yeah. So I used to watch the film a lot when I was younger. It's one of those weird films you kind of just... Yeah, we had on video, and I used to watch it a lot. So I remember the film quite well. Um, and so this is a strange... Uh, it's a strange... It, like you said, it's just, this is a weird, strange game with three different scenarios that... Mm. Do they work? I'm not sure. That That, there's, that was my problem. Like, there's a gelling that doesn't happen with them. Yeah, and it all feels a bit disjointed. So you've got, like you said, there's the dogfighting in World War One, the run-and-gun horizontally in, in modern day... And, and, you know, in some other time zone, so that Green Bray style, and clamber across the rooftops in London in 86. It, it's, a, it's a bit of a, you know, it's an interesting concept that just doesn't quite come off. No, and um, I think the, my my take of this was, um, and I don't mean to interrupt you at all. No, it's all right. But fine. just my quick take was, this could be a James Bond game for all the difference it makes for it being Biggles. Well, that's, ironically, up on my screen right now, because the thing, the game that this reminds me of comes out next year... Uh, was the Living Daylights game? Yes, exactly what I put. Exactly what. Exactly the same. Weird because of that run and gun side yes. side on the, the sprites look very similar. The backgrounds yep. look quite similar. So I don't know if it's the same people who did it. I'm pretty. It's probably not. But that Living Daylights game that comes out, and we'll obviously get to that at some point. But that, that's what this reminded me of. It's that it's in that mold, and it's it's trying to do. I mean, it's trying to do something interesting. It's not you know. That's similar, what I admired. It's, well, it's 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 like a more successful. View to a kill. Yes. <laughs> Which wouldn't be hard. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, View to a Kill was trying to do, you know, three different styles of game, wasn't it? It was um, a view to an ass. It was a view to brown jacket, yeah. View to a <laughs> jacket, jacket full of dust. <laughs> um, Roger Less. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, good life advice. <laughs> For him. <laughs> um, that's what I mean. It's that it's that trying to do take a take a, a film, take some elements from it and make them into, you know, disparate and try and sort of pull them all together. I do really like the lightning effect. You liked that? I thought that was yeah. the weakest part. That, no, I like the I, idea the, of it. I just thought it was blocky nonsense. Yeah, it is blocky because it's a C64 and I don't mind it, but it's like a, you know, it's a, I just, I just quite liked it. I thought that's all, that's all right. It works quite well. It's, it's just, it's as a, as a way to, you know, thingy the film. Um, to cut is a callback to the film and to uh, bookend or you know show changing from scene to scene. I thought it was all right. You know, I've seen I've seen I've seen worse effects. I'm spoiled because I remember the lightning effect in Rocket Ranger. So well, yeah, but that's a lot later, and so you know, this is a game about time travel. I'm sorry, that, that <laughs> argument's irrelevant. <laughs> well, that's true, but so it's Back to the Future. Another, film, another game that begins with B. I'm Nobody going back like in time that. and I'm changing what you think about that right now. <laughs> yes, um, I like Back to the Future. <laughs> it wasn't anything <laughs> like It Follows. Not at all. Um, so yeah, the, 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 and I, I, I didn't actually get to the, the last seat, the last the flip side, so I didn't play that, so I can't really comment on that. It's okay. It's not terrible. This forty eight percent a bit harsh. They seemed to hate it, didn't they? In that? Yeah, they did. It was all grumpy reviews, and I thought I felt that it was a bit harsh because their argument in the review, as I remember it, was it was just a bit 
disjointed and there's only one good bit and the rest of it was kind of rubbish. And I'm like, well, I'm not so sure about that. But No, I, d- I thought that the um, jumping over the rooftops bit was... That's the weakest more, bit. More finicky than it needed because of those bloody police patrolling well, all over the place that, and, being, and having it's not to hide. And... It's not exciting, is it? Jumping over rooftops. It's not. No. I started no, getting a like... weird Mary Poppins vibe. I was like, half expecting <laughs> chimney sweeps to come shooting out and go, step in time. So. Now that, now that, well, maybe this should have been oh, renamed. Steppenwolf. <laughs> this should have been, this should have been renamed as the uh, Mary Poppins game. Um, and you could have been flo- floating on your um, uh, umbrella shooting. Yeah, you could shooting. Have, in the first le- level, yeah. And then you could have had the horse racing sequence. Yes, just, uh, Dick, you know, Dick that Van running, Dyke, gun just bit. running up and down different levels, sort of, you know, encouraging people to dance and do fun shenanigans. Yeah, you could have a little puzzle sequence where the cannon goes off and you've got to catch all the uh, crockery in the front room. <laughs> Not on crockery. <laughs> yeah, I'm basing my game on crockery. <laughs> I've thought, I've always thought that was good advice. You've changed the past too much. <laughs> What have you done? What have you've I gone done? Too, you've I gone should, too far. I should never have stepped on those butterflies. It's the flutterby effect. I mean butterfly. No, we call them flutterbys here. <laughs> what have you done? My God, what have you done? <laughs> you've, changed, you've changed our language. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah. Anyway. 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 Biggles, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah, all right. It's all right. There we go. So that's your that's your B section. Boulder Dash three, Bombo and Biggles. Triple B. Triple B. I'm not putting the picture in again. It's not happening. I'm just gonna put a picture. I'm just gonna put a picture of you. Going. <laughs> exactly what I'm doing. You bad, bad, bad man. Right. Okay. So that's it. That's the first section of games. I've completely lost my agenda here. What's going on? <laughs> um, it's all gone to pot. It's all gone to bot. Look what you've done. This is what happens when you mess with the timeline. You've just adjusted time too much. <laughs> I don't even know what time is. Not a word we use. We don't call it time. <laughs> we we call it harg. <laughs> Anyway, we'll be gone for a brief moment. A brief hug. <laughs> a brief hug. And and when we come back after after 15 clubs, um, <laughs> we'll be talking about film and TV in July 1980 cack. See you then. See you in 10 rounds. <laughs> God's sake. Bye. Please stay with us. <laughs> Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find dirt cheap books and audiobooks via Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and, well, just about anywhere. In Dave's audiobook, Starfarers and Tharnians in Space, Aussie Deacon will traverse open space for the United Planets with his reluctant English sidekick, Bo, who would rather be back at the blacksmith and the toffee maker having a pint of lager and a packet of crisps than fighting evil aliens. Starfarers and Tharnians in Space is out now. Audiobook is voiced by the king of accents, Tim Valencia. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Okay, welcome back if you're still with us. Um, (laughs) It's film and TV. Film and TV from July 1986. What was going on? What was going on? What was going on? Well... There's not a lot. It's July. (laughs) Uh, It's July. It's hot. People are out. I mean, we're in July right now, and it's stupidly hot. It is. But that year was really... 86 was a hot year. Yeah. Well, this year is a hot year, and I'm sticking to my chair. It's unpleasant. That's not because of the heat. (laughs) 
That's just because of the way I like it. <laughs> you just got very excited about <laughs> playing just, Boulder Dash 3. And... I just excrete glue. Yeah, you use the word excrete. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I say ejaculate, you say... <laughs> excrete, <laughs> one potato, potato. Pump. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Anywho. July nineteen eighty six for film. What's the first thing we got? Fourteenth of July was the the Wuzzles debuted on ITV. Uh, do you remember the Wuzzles? No. I found this weird that this was uh, it's some kind of um, they were uh, I don't know, but the the original pitch was from Michael Eisner, so Mr. Disney himself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, what were they? What is, were the Wuzzles? Well, if you bear with me a moment, I will... Is it comic? Will, is it cartoon? What, what were they? What the hell? Is it? It's obviously an American thing. It is. The Wuzzles. Uh, it's an animated television series created for Saturday morning. They are hybrids of two... The creatures are hybrids of two different animals. Right. Um, Wuzzies so and... <laughs> well, no, each, each called the Wuzzle, so they're mixed up. So, oh, God. So two different animals. Theme song, living with a split personality, and all the characters sport wings on their oh, backs. Goodness me. Although only Bumble Lion and Butterbear are seemingly capable right, of flight. Stop there. There's a cat. <laughs> Bumble Lion and Butterbear. I need no more in- information about the Wuzzles. There you go. Um, what I'm sensing is that this was a toy made into a oh, cartoon. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, right. no, I don't think it was a toy. It was a cartoon that became toy. Yeah. Butterbear. Um, was it Bumblebear? So, Butterbear? Was it Bumble? Doesn't matter. Well, Bumblebee, I guess. Yeah, but was it a, but it was a Bumblebee mixed with a bear? Yeah, what, yeah. What crazy combination of creatures? I don't know, but this has got me thinking that maybe Michael Eisner is the guy behind Owlbear. Yeah. <laughs> And when when they were when they were coming up with the Dungeons and Dragons monsters, he was just sat in the corner. Goes, you know what would be great? Stick an owl's head on a bear. Do you know as much as that's weird and it is? It have is you weird. seen the film Perfect Storm? But the George Clooney. Yeah, with the fishing vessel that goes off the coast of the Grand Banks and disappears. There's a character yeah, yeah. in that called Owlbear. <laughs> you sure it's not Owlbear, as in the French it, pronunciation it, of Owlbear? Uh, you say Owlbear, <laughs> I say Owlbear. <laughs> it's an Owlbear. <laughs> So, <laughs> is he a, is he a, is he a side? Because this is the thing with owl, the owl, <laughs> the owl bear creature. I could never quite figure out if he's just got a massive owl head or a small bear body. <laughs> Either way, I think the freakish. Or does it meet? Or does it meet somewhere in the middle? Or maybe it's slightly... actually. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's not because you're thinking the splits across the middle, like top to bottom. He's got an owl head. Yes, yeah, what I mean, but you could be thinking that. But in reality, an owl bear is actually <laughs> the left side is an owl. And the right side is a bear, like a like manimal, but like a, a really weird. So he's got a half a half a bear nose and half an owl beak. Now, now that would be horrific because one eye would be a bear eye, the other eye would be an owl eye. Absolutely, and half of it would be up in the daytime, and half of it would be up at night. It would never get any rest, <laughs> which is why it's so angry all the time. All the time, I want to go to sleep. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to eat mice. I want to eat meat. Mice are meat. Of mice and meat. That's how that book came about. That, that, was, the early, that was the early version before <laughs> Of Mice and Men came about. Oh, Lenny, that I've was got the, an owl bear. That, that was written by, by John Steincock. Very dissimilar to Steinbeck in many ways, but very dissimilar in all sorts of really important ways. Well, I was going to say John Stein River. <laughs> very good, Which yes. More like, yes. more like a Beck. Yes, Steinbeck, um, Stein River, Steincock. All Steins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> the Wuzzles. Anyway, I don't know what Wuzzles the Wuzzles debuted. are. They will no, never be known to they me. Were just, they were just in that period, weren't they? You got tons of stuff. Because this was around the time of Care Bears and all yeah, that kind of so nonsense. You've got, midnight, mid-1980s. Th- well, you have, let's think about it. You had the, not just the Care Bears and the Wuzzles, but you had the... Because Disney had a few of these things, didn't it? it had, My Little Pony go back to then as well. I think the My Little Pony was in there. I think there's... Um, the raccoons. I think there's one about raccoons is in there. Yeah. Um, and all that kind of stuff. They were all kind of either toys t- and then a cartoon or a cartoon and then toys. There was loads of them in the 80s. I mean, goodness me, loads. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the Wuzzles made it to the figure toy factory of the UK to be big enough probably. for the UK to be. Well, probably was on some channel or other. But I, I, it's not yeah. one I came across. When I saw it, I was like, wow, the Wuzzles. But the Michael Eisner thing's quite interesting. So. I think by this point, because it came in, in obviously July 1986, I'm 14. Um, and I think the Wuzzles were probably this is mid July, so it's July, so we're we're just getting into summer holidays. And I'm I'm thinking that at this point I would probably look at it and go, "That's too kiddie for me." Yeah, there's no character in there called Bumble Ass or bum, <laughs> Bumble Tits. I just wanted to watch Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that at this point. <laughs> yes. You know, yes, so that's this true. was probably too kiddie for me. You mean you went into the what's it called, um, Whizbit and the other crazy things? That was a British one. No. He only grew no, about three feet it. high. Hup, ha, this away. Hup, ha, that away. Yeah, exactly. Hup, ha, this away. My, oh, my, no. Ostapaloozalem. That's the only bit I know. (laughs) Shalom. (laughs) (laughs) Shalom. I don't want to say say to that. Anyway, 18th of July. Let's move on from the Wuzzles. Yes. The Crystal Palace Transmitter becomes the first in the world to transmit stereophonic sound using the NICAM digital sound system when it broadcasts the first night of the proms in stereo. That's pretty impressive and crazy. The first in the world. NICAM, what is it? Near instantaneous, crazy and monotonous. <laughs> it's not that. The, pro, the, the, proms, the proms go on forever. I don't, I've never been a big fan of the proms. It's not my cup of tea. But it's impressive that, you know, this is, you know, the Crystal Palace transmitter. This is something the UK did and it was the first one to transmit in stereo. That's it. But this lead, this, I suppose this would lead to, you know, when Top of the Pops went stereo and everything yeah. like that. So it's near instantaneous compounded audio multiplex. Catchy. Yeah. Sounds like, a wuz- you, sounds like was, a wuzzle. What it was for me was a thing that was on the TVs that I wanted. I wanted NICAM stereo. It seemed, yes. it seemed to be very important. I remember having a I remember having a Nikam stereo TV and a Nikam stereo video and thinking this is the this is the the bee's knees but having no Nikam stereo recordings <laughs> of anything <laughs> so it was really but, stupid because I'd never I'd, all the time I'm wowed by mono going wow it's mo-, and thinking this stereo is amazing it was just mono you dumb stupid idiot you only realize <laughs> that now back in you know yeah, with hindsight yeah we we convinced ourselves of many things but oh, yeah Nikam was just it's just great. It's quite impressive, isn't it? You know that we we were there. Yes, Crystal Palace transmitter. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, twenty third of July in London, Prince Andrew, Duke of York, marries Sarah Ferguson at Westminster Abbey. That's got different connotations these days, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it's probably best we don't talk about uh, the grand old Duke of York and how many many might have or might not have had. Yeah, he had ten thousand children. Um, allegedly <laughs> allegedly <laughs> the event received significant television coverage both in the UK and around the world and you know in Nikon stereo uh, and also on the 23rd of July BBC One aired a live edition of Top of the Pops 
presented by Gary Davis and Ooh, Peter Powell. Gary Davis. Ooh, Gary Davis. I never liked Gary Davis. What, when he was on your radio? Ooh, Gary. Yeah, I never liked it. And who's <laughs> Peter Powell? What was he like? He was typical Top of the Pops presenter. He's almost like somewhere in the middle of... Didn't Peter, Peter Powell, did he used to be on... Um, no, he didn't. He was a DJ. Did he not get he, bitten by a spider and develop superpowers? And he, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it, it, they didn't quite turn him into a web hopper. Yeah, he just he web web hopper. Yeah. What's a web hopper? I don't know. That's probably what he was. That's why he was not as successful. He's just a hop. He's a hop on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> on a web. Exactly. He was uh, like, <laughs> Spider Man as kind of hoppy guy. Spider hopper. So, <laughs> spider hop. <laughs> uh, you you have Spider Man. We have Spider Hop. <laughs> Very similar to your Spider Man. You have Peter Parker. We have Peter Powell. Peter Powell. <laughs> and his sidekick, yeah. Gary Davis. Yeah, you have Uncle Ben. We have Uncle Bin. <laughs> Our buns have no seeds. <laughs> no. no. You have Aunt May. We have Aunt June. Aunt June. <laughs> Yeah, June, that's better, yeah. <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh, Spider Hopper. Brilliant. Anyway, that's it. Oh, no, no. 31st of July, uh, Equinox debuted on Channel 4. Remember I, liked, much about Equinox? I liked Equinox as a TV it show. It yeah. ran for 20 years. Yeah, it was a really cool show, wasn't it? It was kind of. I don't it? really remember much of it. It was a documentary series yeah, about say. Tech, tech, technology, wasn't it? Similar in tone. Was it sort of similar to Tomorrow's World type thing? I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, it was documentaries about technology and about cutting edge stuff. So mm-hmm. I think they did, famously they did one on um, uh, IVF and stuff like that. And it was kind of groundbreaking because it was the first time it was ever talked about on TV and all that kind of stuff. So it's that kind of Well, I didn't know that. I do remember it, but anyway, it started then, 31st of July. The, just, do you remember the theme music for Equinox? It went, Equinox did, 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 Equinox did. I hate you. I really, really hate you. I'm not putting the pictures on. I'm not putting Calabos all the way through the videos on YouTube. It ain't happening. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll learn. I'll do something. I'm going to put something in my recording that you can't get rid of. Something you can use. All <laughs> oh, right, that's your TV. There's not much going on. It's the summer. It's summer. It's hot. It's, we had this last time in the summer, wasn't it? Was it got a bit? It got a bit loose. <laughs> yeah, blank. Yeah. Um, <laughs> films. What was going on in films? Well, the big film of the month, and I use that term loosely. Police Academy Three: Back in Training. Ooh. Uh, was out on the 11th of July. Uh, indeed, where are my eyebrows? <laughs> so this is Mauser. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is where um, the what's his name the main guy in the second and first movie that is Mahoney's arch enemy the one who gets stuck in a horse's ass and yeah. is not in this one or in it very briefly and it's replaced by Mauser and Mauser Psychic and I actually really like Mauser and Mauser Psychic in this I can't remember Psychic's <laughs> name it escapes me at the moment but I really like I actually like those characters I think they're funnier the lines they come out with funnier in this one, of course, he famously puts he switches his shampoo for super glue, <laughs> so he, glue, he glues his fingers. It's the only funny bit <laughs> in it. The, we know it we, is. But that's the, that's the reviews <laughs> of the, the reviews of this film at the time were very much 50 percent of the film is funny, fifty percent of the film you just you just wish it would hurry up and end, mm-hmm. and that's very true. It's got Guttenberg in this one still reliving his character. Yeah, is, but yeah. the, the interesting shift in this one, of course, 
is the rating change. So Police Academy, the first movie, is essentially an 18 slash adult film. Mm. This one's PG. So Didn't that happen with two though as well? Uh, two was the next one down. So two is a 12, uh, 12 slash, well, not the equivalent of a 12. So tw- I think two was a 15 slash 12. Don't think they had 12. No, no, it's part of wing, but it's become one. But it was the, at that time it was 15. And then the third one is a PG, whatever the equivalent of that is now. So L- L- an A. I think it was an A, wasn't it? So they downgraded the sexual content, sexual content. Yeah, they, they made it more in line with films like um, Mannequin. Yeah, because they felt, and if you read all the blurb about it, they felt that that was what people responded to. People didn't actually respond to Mahoney and the sexual stuff of the first movie. They're like yeah, Tackleberry yeah. shooting stuff and Mahoney's antics with his superior officers, which is why in the third film, that's all it's kind of about. And this does have the moment in it where the guy goes to the Benny Hanna and the chef keeps flipping food at his forehead. <laughs> and he gets mushroom on his, he gets a bit of mushroom on his forehead, <laughs> Exactly. It? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> in that respect, and then it's those little moments in Police Academy 3, Mouser's eyebrows... When he and when when he when he glues his fingers to his head and all that stuff, I remember it more as being funny and funnier for those things than I do when um, the guy has a, a blowjob under the um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the podium in the first movie. Although that is funny at the time, Tackleberry is the only character out of all of them that remains consistently the same throughout. He is he is the same character in the first film as he is in all the films. All the others change slightly. Just as, I find that really the, curious. The um, I can't, I can't remember the name sort of thing, so I'm going to just describe it sort of thing. It's, it's the black woman who's got the squeaky voice and then um, that then, is then, um, shout, then shouts. Hooks. That's hooks. Yeah, and then always shouts. Yeah, she gets her voice yeah. back. Hooks, but this, because yeah. this this one was the um, because the weird thing about this is is uh, Zed's in it, isn't he? Is mm-hmm. now he's but now he's a cop in training. So yeah. whereas he was one of the hoodlums in. The Police Academy one. Two. Yeah. Um, he's now part of the training regime. So because yeah. it's Tackleberry and Mahoney yeah, and, and Fackler's in it as well. And yeah, they're they're, they're training them, aren't they? And Mauser yeah. saying you'll never you'll never turn this lot yeah. into into cops. And then yes. it's, there's a bit towards the end where a, probably a riot breaks out or something, and they have yeah. to become it's exactly cops. Is that, that what happens? Yes, I, I can't remember. Same. About it, but I'm yeah, guessing. it's exactly that. I don't know if it's a riot in this one. Actually, I think it is. Yeah, because it's obviously got the guy that does the sound effects doing the sound effects. And it has, um, it has the really in this one. It has the really scruffy guy who is really like he lives in a really scruffy house and he throws his socks at his locker and they just hit the locker and stick. Mm-hmm. And it's got, I think it's Fackler, the guy that's totally accident prone but always causes accidents for other people. So he's mm-hmm. in this one, where he's a, he's a smaller character in the second one. He's a much bigger part in this one because he's one of the trainee academy people. I think some some of the people that are in the end of the second movie as the not the protagonists, but people that are involved in the stuff that happens at the end become trainees because of the people just liked those characters. So yeah, and there's the there's, there's the smaller guy with the glasses who ends up with his arm in yeah that, that's Fackler I think that's his is name. that Fackler, Fackler yeah. yeah he's got the gla- he's like but I can't think like... who the female lead is in third one because it's it's not Kim Cattrall because she's in the first one and I can't remember if she's in the second one. But it, well, and I think the third one, it's, it's, the second one's got not on broccoli in it. It has got not on bro- but, but broccoli. The, but the third one does have. Where am I? Where am I? I'm going to have to download it now and watch it. Uh, I mean, uh, stream it legitimately and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. You need to rent it from rent uh, it from some legitimate source. From, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there really is a lead. Just looking at the cast, there's no one that stands out as a lead yeah. female character in it. First one is Marion Ramsey, and I think that's... Uh... Well, exactly, and that's that's the big tonality shift, isn't it, from the first one, which is Kim Cattrall and Steve Guttenberg, and he's Leslie, the character, isn't it, one of them, and the the actual... There's the guy, the Italian, mm. semi-Italian guy, 
that's pretending to be have an accent so he can get the girls and he ends up Fac- you know. Fackler is a girl cadet Violet Fackler De- is played by Deborah Lee Scott so what's his name the wimpy guy then I thought it was Fackler but I, uh, you know what the, the names do get mixed up yeah oh no so they're actually no Bruce Mailer is Sergeant Douglas Fackler there you go and then you've got oh, Deborah Lee Scott yeah because he's Cadet married Violet. in that one isn't he? That's yeah, yeah, yeah 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 you got Lassard Copeland Lassard's um, in it yeah many many wonderful recruits Lance Kinsey is, li- uh, is Lieutenant Kyle Proctor Proctor that's ma- it Proctor that's it <laughs> he's Mauser's uh, Mauser and yeah. Proctor they're brilliant those two they are brilliant yeah yep <laughs> anyway, it's probably the most anyone's spoken about Police Academy 3 in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good film, it is. Because the only other film that came out this month was something called The Climb. I couldn't find anything on yeah. other than an IMDb, and I've never heard of it, and it's like, uh, no. oh, well. Who's in it? I don't know, somebody. Yeah, it's got Bruce Greenwood and James Hurdle in it, directed by <laughs> Donald Sheebib. <laughs> I'm very pleased for them. <laughs> is it an animation? No, I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's about climbing a climbing a mountain. Based on a true story of the 1953 assault on Nanga Parbat, a treacherous Himalayan peak. Yeah, there you go. Goodness, yeah. where did you dig that thing from? Goodness me. Well, I just get a list of films that came out that month, and One, there it is. The top review That's is called one. Memories of the Era of the Great Herman Boole. Goodness <laughs> me, that is random, that thing. Goodness. Don't forget, I mean, these are cinema releases. Jeez. I know, there you go. So that's it. It's not much going on in July for film and TV. So what did we have? We had The Wuzzles. Mm. We had uh, Spider Hopper. Uh, Equinox. We had yeah. Andy and Fergie getting wedged um, in Nikam Stereo. And then we had someone looking for their eyebrows. Um, <laughs> with, a piece of, uh, <laughs> with a piece of uh, mushroom stuck to their forehead. <laughs> there you go. So that's it. That's your film and TV. Stick with us. We'll be back soon with the rest of our games because we've got loads, still loads to do. Loads of games, loads more Cheapest Creepers. Many, and I do be- many wonderful games we've got. And I do believe, yes, we have a couple of crapverts. So stick with us. Woo! Shout out to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run, has this Aussie bloke, Paddy, and his Ford muscle car roaring around a country town, copping the blame for a murder he didn't commit. Or did he? You'll have to get the book or have a listen to find out. It's out now, audiobook voiced by Dave himself. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Boulder Dash 3, and it's still loads of fun, says Dave. But beware of those boulders. All right, welcome back. We've got loads to do. Absolutely loads. But we can amalgamate these next two into kind of one. Well, we will, because one I didn't play, so... (laughs) Well, it didn't play, but I think think it's not that dissimilar to the first thing. It's not, no. So... um... Do you want to take this? I mean, I put it down as me, but I mean, it's Solo Solo Flight Plus. Solo Flight Plus and Acrojet. What what do we think? What do we you know? What what's what are they? Well, what they are is microprose simulations of flight, mm-hmm. and they are played from exactly the same perspective. There's little difference in graphical speed, I think, but essentially they are the same thing. So you control it. You can change your view actually. So the essence is you're controlling a a, a small aircraft, and in the solo flight plus. You can train in it, and then you can do kind of a mail run. So you get to ch- look, sort of fly over a map and deliver things and land and take off and do all that kind of thing. Very simple controls. Your joystick becomes the flight control, and you can control your flaps and your landing gear and your brakes and all that kind of stuff on basic keyboard commands. Acrojet is exactly the same. 
The only difference is in Acrojet, you can fly and do races and you can pilot around. I think you're flying similar, if not the same jet in both. Not jet aircraft, sorry, propeller, but a small aircraft, light aircraft mm. in both. It's a BD-5J, I think, in Acrojet. I think it's the same in Solo Flight Plus. They're both extensions of Solo Flight, which was a game which is almost identical to this, but is slightly slower, similar controls. So it's they're actually early flight simulators, really. And the viewpoint is actually from the kind of, I think can change it sort of left, right. It's actually quite unique in the way you can control the view. But the long and the short of it is it's actually, the normal view is kind of almost a third person remote control flight aeroplane mm. view. So from a quite a distance back, small aeroplane, it takes off from a run. It's all vector based, that part. Take off and you can fly around in the sky and you can, in Acrojet, you can do stunts and you get extra points for doing those things in different races. In solo flight, if you play the mail game, you have to deliver mail to different areas and, and it's apparently based on real-time maps So and, and the maps are accurate to something or other. That's the long <laughs> and the short of the game. So I suppose the reality is that's my that's how I've perceived the games. I felt that they were very similar, if not the same, really. They both suffered from good things and bad things. The bad things being they were a bit juddery and slow in flight, so it didn't really feel that lacked the pace to be able to really fly it around. And mm -hmm. I think that I think that affected the way it felt. Mm -hmm. The good thing is the simple controls, mercifully at long last, and the view meant that you could actually fly around and. Solo Flight Plus has nice speech and some guidance, and it felt a little bit like Kennedy Approach in the sense that it had that kind of yes, guidance. Yes, and that, that was a very nice touch. So in the tutorial, you could actually, it guided you to do, do things and lower your, lower, lower your landing gear and lower your nose and do all those things. Acrojet didn't have the speech, I don't think, but what it didn't have in the speech, it kind of made up for it because it was a little bit faster in gameplay. Mm. They're both kind of strands of the same game mm. really yeah and i suppose it would just come down to which kind of game you might prefer i did more in solo flight plus because obviously acrojet didn't work unfortunately and, and i viewed the youtube video to get a kind of taste of it but i for the first time ever in any of these kind of simulations i was able to take off fly around land and do all of that in the context of a tutorial with really easy to give guidance speech and things. And I felt that, that was a pretty impressive step because I hate simulations, especially <laughs> these kind. You do. So, but I, but I stuck at it a little bit because it was easy to control. The speed of the aircraft was the numbers. B was for brakes. F was for flaps. It just made sense to have those controls on the keyboard and, and it didn't detract from the game too much. The only fine the ointment was the game's speed in general. Mm-hmm. And that for me was perhaps if you if you're gonna if anything was gonna be a deal breaker, it would be that. But I'm rolling back the clock here to nineteen eighty six. I never liked these kind of games back then, but you know what? I stuck at it and, and I flew a little bit and I quite enjoyed that. So what did you think? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I liked it I like the viewpoint. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a small single engine aircraft and you're just flying various conditions. It's I put I put it's a bit slow, um, but the speech is a good addition and with lots of it. Telling you, you know, you get different weather condition call outs, different sort of instructions to turn or raise flaps, lower flaps, lower your landing gear, all that kind of thing. And the same with you. So I took off, flew around and managed to land, uh, as I was like quite impressed with. I liked mm. the fact that the keys were intuitive. You know, F for flaps, L for landing yes. gear, B for brakes. Exactly the same. One, exactly. one, one to nine or zero to, for, for your speed. For thrust, yeah. Yeah. It works. It's like yes. Consider I didn't look at a restriction manual. I just kind of went, okay. It said raise flaps. I pressed F. It worked. There you go. Not G. <laughs> and you were like, why is that? Like you've seen so 
yeah, or shift this or that or whatever. Mm. And it's like, no, it just worked. Um, you know, if, if you like 8-bit flight sims, the graphics on the plane are good. The instrumentation panel is pretty decent. It was all mm. right. Like I said, Acrojet's similar-ish. It's just, you know, it's more uh, stunt-focused. But uh, for the time, this is probably the best you're going to get. You know, yeah. as, as to fly a, fly a plane. I mean, there's the yeah. this is Microprose, and I don't. I always think Microprose because it's got the name Micro in it, sort of thing. Whether they become swallowed up by Microsoft, and whether it becomes whether this literally, you know, <laughs> the, what, flight simulator, you know, Microsoft flight simulator. Yeah. Whether it's something to do with that, I don't know. I don't know the lineage or whether these things are. But I, I, I thought this was okay. I thought this was all right. Am I going to play it again? Probably not. But um, if you do like eight bit flight sims, this is probably the one to actually go and play at this point it's as good as it's gonna get right i think so yeah yeah Yeah, i agree yeah there we go i think there's not much more to say on those they are more simmy so we'll move on because we'll move on now to our next game which is we've looked at the crap for a few issues back and now we finally have the game we have the game i don't know it's the game of the film yeah so this is based on the film not the show this is max headroom and so i'd never seen the film and I don't really remember much of the TV show, so this was all, you know, whatever to me. There's nothing, I've got nothing to draw, sort of draw on here. What I don't think the film is, though, is a boring wander around floors of a building where fighting illogical controls in an isometric viewpoint and icons to do stuff. That's what I don't think the film is that. I'm going to hazard a guess, because no, if it is, it's no, not going to, it's not going to have done sure, very well. I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. No. So this is another, we've seen these before, this... You know, Ark, Pandora, uh, what was the other one as well? Hocus Focus, whatever it was, Hoc- uh, that nonsense. Hocus Focus, yeah. Hocus Focus. So we've got these. So this is, uh, you know, it's isometric, so a slightly different view, but it's this icon-driven, you know, Enigma Force, I would say, as well. Put that in there yeah, as well. Yeah, very much so. Um, and it's this trying to do a game through icons while stuff goes on, and it's just, it just doesn't work. When the game started, yeah. there was a, a figure, it just said, light up the figure eight or something. And I was like, what? And then the Which man, I did, and it didn't work. Well, I I didn't manage it, and he went, "No, lift is the the lift is now going mad." I don't know what control, was going yeah. out of control. So then it took me to a random floor, which I think I couldn't go through doors. I yeah. tr- I managed to hack one bit where you have to do these sort of four musical notes backwards. So I managed to do that and got control of the floor. What actually I got control of, I don't know. You wander around as this sort of uh, single color black sprite. There are other single color black sprites wandering around that will shoot at you. That take your energy down but i never ran out of energy so i didn't know what was going on i had no idea what we were supposed to be doing here i read all those memos and briefs and the instructions i tried to figure out my way through this felt like there were kind of puzzles and stuff it, it felt like a, an attempt at an isometric impossible mission but nowhere near as good but i've, I've noted here sort of thing that the music wasn't bad but generally this was not a great game and and, and i didn't really get much from it i, I didn't even know i didn't really know what i was supposed to be doing at any, yeah. give, at any given moment, you know, I don't know. Did you get anything out of it? I don't believe you no. did based on uh, the, the message I got from you. <laughs> no, I downloaded the cassette game inlay for this to get an idea of the instructions. And there's a lot of stuff to take into account. It doesn't help you, though. <laughs> so for me, this felt like a really shit spectrum, isometric spectrum port. Mm. It had a spectrum quality. The font was the spectrum font. Now, let me tell you. Nothing winds me up more than seeing a Sinclair Spectrum font on a Commodore 64. For many reasons, just because it that means that it had to be redrawn and then added uh-huh. into the Commodore 64. So that aside, I just found this just incoherent levels of play that made no sense. 
I found myself like you, thrust into a mini game that didn't work. Then I was then launched in the lift in some kind of mini isometric view. Then I was suddenly thrust into what looked a little bit, and I'm saying this with very generous eyes, a little bit like a C64 version of um, Syndicate off the Amiga. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, yeah, I can see that. that yeah. Kind of isometric, tiny sprite kind of thing. But I couldn't do anything. I just kind of wandered around dead, wandered around dead. Then you were dead, and then I was dead. And then I'm not even sure what music you would even call that, really. I just find it noisy. I, I put it, it's noisy and clicky. Um, so I didn't get anything other from that. And, I, and after that, I found it. its speed was genuinely of the game was genuine, genuinely connected to the amount on the screen, which is a, is a classic sign of a bad port in my book. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, I never really got on with, really understood or got on with what Max Headroom was or is or was about. I actually YouTubed Max Headroom to try and get a little bit more background knowledge for this review to try and think, okay, well, let me just fill my knowledge of what Max Headroom was. And I actually came across, weirdly, a Terry Wogan interview with Max Headroom. And it made less sense after that <laughs> than it does even now. Because even Terry Wogan and is a was a stalwart of British TV and radio is completely bemused by this nonsensical thing. And I get that there's something about it. I get that. I get that there's a thing. I just don't know what that thing is. Have you ever seen the so, film? No, no, I hadn't. And I did think about downloading the film and I thought, should I download it? Should I do something with it? Should that be part of the thing? But the reality of it was I didn't get that far into it. I didn't do that. And hey-ho, it's uh, it was just an unplayable experience for me and not very good. And graphically, naff. Even if I wasn't put off by the Sinclair Spectrum font, which I was, because I hate that. <laughs> I really hate that font. I hate the fact... I hate its over-rounded M's. I hate it. I hate it. I do. Of, 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 of all the things to be... I know, it's weird. Things do wind me up, but the fact that it's got over... It's, it's M is too big. So It's just a big M. It's a big, big old M. Big old M. Yeah. So no, I didn't enjoy it at all. I thought 60% was very generous for something that was actually borderline incoherent. But Yeah, that's what I, I couldn't... That's what I mean. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out what I was at any point. What the point? There was like a because one of the icons was a door, wasn't it? Yeah. And and so I was going up to doors and clicking on the door icon, thinking, yeah, "Will that I open it?" Anything. Or yeah. and then, well, I've got. Contr- I, I managed to sort of look through cameras that basically just showed me bits of the floor that I was already looking at. It, nothing made any sense. No, and my only caveat, I suppose, really was. I mean, I tried to understand the world of Max Headroom, and I couldn't. But I wasn't in 1986. And I have to say, I was never into it then. So it no, wasn't something that really struck I mean. me as... I know it was, it was meant to be this big revolutionary VJ type thing. I'm not even sure what the genesis of Max Hedrin really is. And I say, and I tried to get into it a bit, but even, even trying to do that, I just found myself, it was totally at odds with anything I would be into, even on an experimental level. The only thing I could find that was quite interesting was that an old Amiga demo, a really early Amiga demo from, I think, Digitized Design or Digiview, used a version of um, the Max Headroom Paranomia soundtrack from Out of Noise in the background. And that was one of the very first Amiga demos I remember seeing, along with the Star Glider and a few other things way back in the Defender of the Crown on the Amiga, which is what led me eventually to buy an Amiga totally completely nothing to do with this game which was crap but it just that's <laughs> yeah. weirdly that's it in a weird way those sort of things are connected it was weird but that's the only thing, connection i had with it really yeah it's not a good game is it it's not no, good shit it's it, shit it, I put utter shit 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's probably a pun in that name somewhere. But I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't quite see it at the minute. I'll come back to me later. You'll pun it. You'll pun that. <laughs> so Max, oh, I don't know. Max Headroom, we don't like it. It's not very good. Um, and that's it. So that's our that's our full price roundup. That's the last one. We move now into our second part of Cheapers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those eyes? Um, with more from the budget range of games that came out. So we did a load last time. Um, and so let's move into them. And the first one we're going to look at is Slam Ball. 96 percent so graham slam ball it's a pinball emulator slam ball yep anyway neutral zone (laughs) (laughs) exactly did it deserve 96 percent did it hell (laughs) no it did not i have played a lot of pinball games i quite like pinball games i've been to many retro game events where there's amazing pinball games are they brown no they're not no they're not brown they're not brown or yellow really generally um (laughs) And okay, I get the idea. You can it's pinball, so you can control the pinball bats, batons, sticks, whatever. You, I don't even know what they are. Flippers, flippers. That's it. With your left, right, and the joystick <laughs> and all that. So, but it's but it's pinball. The problem is here, uh, and it's a real core problem. Weightless ball. The ball felt weightless. It wasn't. It wasn't weighty enough. You need more weighty balls. <laughs> and we've noted this in other games before now with, with this podcast. If you're going to have a game based on physics of a ball, and that ball has weight, and the iron pinballs are weighty then or steel pinballs are weighty items then it needs to reflect that this felt like you were batting a ping pong ball around in there no there's no fun to be had with that now i know that later down the line on the amiga pinball dreams comes along and there's amazing and and even on windows platform later later down the line of course or after this you get pinball games and all sorts of stuff and there's there's room for pinball games don't get me wrong I didn't feel like this was a very good one. Even at 299, I think I'd have struggled with it. So it wasn't for me, although the typeface was nice in this. It was good. Mm-hmm. So it had a nice central typeface, otherwise completely forgettable, and the physics was too silly because it had virtually weightless ball. What about you? I, I'm actually the other, the other end of the spectrum, I think, on this. I really enjoy, I enjoyed playing this. I, put, I thought it was a... I get what you're saying, but they're they're not actually supposed to be steel balls, are they? They're supposed to be some kind of weird little creatures. Um, yeah, they get away. That's an that's an argument. Yeah, well, it's, but... it's what it is. They're not steel balls. So as as a pinball sim go, I mean, this is you know, it's a it's a decent enough table. Um, there's things to hit. There's things batting around. I quite like the sort of concept of it in that there's you're, you're sort of inside this monster, um, and that you've got to. You know, keep keep the uh, little creatures alive before or, or they get digested. Ninety six percent is way too high. No, it's not that. Yeah, this this scored better than IK IK. Yeah, and it, it and way the exploding fist. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not ninety six percent. I mean, even no given the fact way. that it, even given the fact that they've they've obviously taken the budget nature of it into account and where it sits, sort of thing. So it's not going to be. But IK plus, sorry, IK is worth more than this. It's an it's an okay pinball game. I, I you know I had no problem playing it and I enjoyed my time playing it. Um, but it's yeah, it's not ninety six percent. There are some physics glitches from time to time where the ball bounces a bit erratically, but yes. the, the the bumpers hit it nicely. You can you can smack it with the flippers. Um, you can control them, you know, left or right or down. I think to hit them both. Uh, you know, as as a pinball game on an eight bit machine. That was is what a couple of years old at this point. So what was it nineteen eighty four? I think this was released or came out. I thought it was all right. I, I I 
didn't mind my time with it. Uh, for two ninety nine, I think if I'd have played this, I'd have played this quite a lot because it's a, you know, it's 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 a high score game, isn't it? So high score chasing and these kind of things is always a, um, you know, it's got the typical features: your tilt, um, your, your nudge, and everything like that. So I, I didn't I didn't mind it. I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It does feel a bit floaty. And crap I, I, is what I'm saying. And, uh, crap. and I do, I do get that. I don't think it's crap. I think it's all right. I don't think it's ninety six percent. For me, it's probably in the seventies. We'll agree to disagree. I think this, this is no. A, it's fair enough. This is a game that it didn't strike my pinball dreams. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. That's slam ball. So yeah, pinball is what it is. But I know that you'll love the next one. Now, interestingly, the next one is Neutral Zone, and that got nine percent. It did. And this was made by the people who made Leaderboard. Bruce Carver, yeah. Yeah, the Carvers. Um, this is their first game. It is, um, and you can tell. Because it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's utter dog egg. So Neutral Zone should have been neutralized. So this is essentially a shooting space into the screen space where you don't actually move into the screen, but you fire into the screen, where yeah. you have to protect a space base Starbase, whatever you call them, space station that's in space from random spaceships that coming from the left and the right. So the screen scrolls like on a. It's imagine if you were you know scrolling left or right or looking around you. Ships come along, they throw feces at you. Um, is the best I can describe it as, <laughs> which you have to shoot. You then have to arc your shots in. There was the arcing of the shot. That's the beachhead part. Yes, absolutely. Because. It's that arcing of the shot to get the the the, the boats and everything, yeah. Um, and you could see that obviously wanted to do that, and they get, they got better at the making games clearly because this is utter garbage. Because that's it, the, the ships come left, right, they never end, and you just trekking trekking back and left and trekking to the right. Shoot, it's, it's just so dull. It's so monotonous. Um, and uh, yeah, this was a, a poor at two ninety nine. I would have still felt way ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's just so so boring. Yep. Um, the visuals are they're, they're not great. Um, I mean, the spaceships are taken inspiration from various uh, science fiction. Um, uh, just a tad <laughs> science fiction shows. Should we say? I'm pretty sure I was blowing up the Starship Enterprise at one point. Well, the words "neutral zone" aren't an accident, <laughs> are they? Yeah, they're not. This was not very good. Did you? get anything from this or was did you uh, same we... same same exactly i felt like this was clearly a game that came out in 1983 which is the, the the date on the game yeah it is yeah so i thought it was a slow almost felt like a game that he made when he was maybe like 13 or 14 it might have been older than that but it felt like it didn't feel like it felt like a really a game that shouldn't have been released a game that you make when you're on your way to making other games and you're learning, you know, you created some interesting routines and those routines end up in a better game, which is what exactly you've just stated. Yeah. So this shouldn't have been released. I felt it was uninspired, even at a budget price and a total waste of money. Just save your money at the time. Go If we were going to go back in time and advise our young selves to, <laughs> of what to buy, I'd have said, don't spend two ninety nine on this. Just save it because he has much better games to come. So hold off. Well, he's got much better games that are already out. Beachhead's probably on a budget yeah, range yeah, at this but, point. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But uh, yeah, exactly. You know, you wouldn't, unless you was a collector of Bruce Carver games or something, but that would be niche for anybody. Wouldn't that would be it? really yeah. Bruce Carver collection. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just don't, it wasn't very much fun to play. I split them off because this is the Roger, Roger and Bruce, or Bruce on his own. And this is the Roger section. <laughs> Roger and Bruce. Roger, Roger and Bruce. Roger less. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not, not fun. No. Not, Problem with it, so 
pretty bad. Yeah, so let's move on to our next one. Breakdance from Epics. Yeah, couldn't get much better, really. <laughs> um, so I've put, this is an Epics game, and Epics have got a bit of a tradition of, you know, doing cool stuff, haven't they? It's an Epics game. Epics do cool stuff. You know, Summer Games too, and that, and all that. But this is Pit Stop this is Yeah, this is 1984 Epics, so all bets are off. This is before um, they hired the good people. <laughs> yeah, so this is a essentially a game of dancing where you play various game types of the same thing. And that game type is follow the leader, a la follow the moves of the person, and you do them. Now, we'll come to where this this early seed of this game may very well have surfaced later, mm-hmm. Nintendo. But in this game, so you have five options. Three of those are kind of variants of the same thing. So the first one is follow the dance. It's called the Hot Feet Dance Contest. So you follow the, the person to your left, and you have to emulate their moves, essentially, to eliminate them. The second one is the Battle the Rocket Crew. And in that, you eliminate your opponents um, before they push you in the river. So it's like you're edging towards the river as they push you forward and you've got to do the moves. And then the final one is Perfection's Dance Puzzle, which is like a puzzle game. So they essentially do moves and you solve puzzles. You can choreograph your own dances, why you'd want to, out of the 14 moves that are available. Mm. And the fifth option is actually just really, you can play the first three options in a sequence. So it's not really an option. So that's the game, really. And and it's played out in a screen where you've got kind of blocky representations of people doing break dance moves and your joystick controls the kind of moves you do whether now i do not know the names of any break dance moves at all so i'm just going to say that you do the kind of pointy the pointy <laughs> finger up and down and the bottom on the bottom spin and there are a whole series of moves that you can do with a joystick could i get this game to do the move i wanted to do even with the instructions, no. And I and I don't know if that was me or my joystick that was at fault, or maybe there was an ember in emulation, but I could not get this thing to dance in the way that every now and again I did the right move. More often than not, I did the right position on the joystick, but it did the wrong move. So I don't know if that was something that was me or the game, and it all felt a bit contrived. And I wasn't into breakdancing, so the one thing that you would think about a breakdancing game is that the music would be quite cool, and it's not. <sighs> so you end up with this kind of blocky nastiness with this really awful blocky music, for want of a better description. It's just not very good. And so it's just, it just feels like a big waste of time that really what you're playing is a kind of Simon Says, follow the leader type game with very little control over how you follow that leader. Now, does this game represent good value for money at 2.99 i don't think it does really you'd have to like break dancing a lot to really get anything from this because the moves don't look like break dancing moves or anything like and the characters are too small to really enjoy that is it worth playing this on a goof not really i don't think there's much to really go at does this game influence other games later down the line well firstly you and i made a game at game jam which reminded me of this <laughs> So yeah. we played it. We played, uh, you know, don't drink the the orange aid. Yeah, don't drink the orange aid. Uh, and that was very similar to this in the way it looked and the way it played, albeit that we did our game logic differently. But more importantly, games where you're following the dance of a character and having to emulate moves. Isn't there a Nintendo game? Um, well, to be fair, no. I think you're. I think you're maybe thinking of the Sega game Space Channel Five. Yeah, but I thought there was a in in, in this in one of the Nintendo kind of uh, multi-game games, the one with the train in it. Mm. On the Wii, yeah, on the Wii U, I can't remember what it's called now, but I'm sure there's a game where you have to copy the dance moves of a character on. That. It's quite possible. It's more. It's it's more. Like I said, I mean, it's because essentially, I mean, what you've got here is a, an early prototype rhythm action game. So you've got um, yeah, 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 you've got yeah. we've got Parappa the Rapper. Yes, um, and, 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 and things like of that. that 
Yeah, and because of that, I think this game's important. I think yeah. it, I think it's it doesn't it doesn't seem like it because it's not very good, but this is a rhythm action game and it's based on dance moves and that is important because dance move kind of rhythm action games become very powerful yeah. later on. Well, to be fair, Parappa the Rapper sees you, sees you following, but more importantly, Space Channel 5. I don't know if you've ever played Space Channel 5 on the, on the Dreamcast, parts no. 1 and 2. You play um the uh, swinging space reporter Ulala um up against the Morolian aliens. And essentially, when they come along, they'll go up, up, down, down, left, right, shoot. And so you up, up, left, left, and you'll be doing dance moves. And that's how you beat them. It's exactly the same. It is literally exactly the same game logic yeah. as that. It is no no different. And that's the entire game that Space Channel 5 was built around. It's one of the sections in this. And that's quite you know interesting. Essentially, at its heart... This is Simon. Yeah, it is. It's just like um, I said, it's follow the leader. Yeah, so it's a, si- it's a it's Simon game. Nintendo Land is the game I was thinking of. With a- uh, oh yeah, there's the octopus dance. The octopus dance one, yeah. Yes. Where it takes a picture of your face and then you have to do the dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo Land, the octopus one, the one I didn't really play yeah. that much. But yes, um, ironically, uh, just very recently actually, uh, me and my son, we got every single present open in Nintendo Land in the uh, plaza. That's, wow. uh, that took some time going. Seven, seven, eight years after release, we finally did it. <laughs> he's got, he's got, he's got a beard now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My son's older than me because I keep going back in time and fixing these games. <laughs> he looks yes, down on me. He's now twenty squat loose old. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, he's langoog. He's real goog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I get breakout. My, my my first comment is I never want to whack out. <laughs> Which ah, no. Cuz it made that's what it says. It says if you don't do this you'll whack out. You'll and whack I was like out, yeah, I was like yeah. will I? I don't think I will. Is that is that, is that thing they said back in the breakdown stage? I don't know. You know, um, it made me laugh. I mean, did you know anybody that just as a complete aside and I'm asking this because it's 1986 and when I'm rolling the clock back did you know anybody that could break dance? No. Because I remember in my final year of junior school... I broke things while um, dancing. At the school disco, two guys just tried to break dance. Now, this is two white guys, and this did not go well. So one of them tried to do a backspin, and, <laughs> and his, his shoe flew off, and it knocked the teacher's glasses off. Golden moments like this very rarely happen. And the, and the second the second guy did this kind of running backwards and forwards. I don't even know what you call the move. I wish I, I wish I knew what the move was called, but it was just like this, almost like he was like trying to step in and then step back, and then he was like preparing himself to do something really cool. And that was it. That was it. That was his kind of move. That was all he did. Um, I could tell you the names of the people who did that. I won't because I won't embarrass them, and I don't want to open myself up to potential trouble. But those two people, you would know their names if I told you them. Oh, as well, right. There were no. people that went to the same school as us later. I will drop this in a message to you later, just so you go, oh, it was them. But it was just a fond memory of that. The only uh, break dancing moment I can remember from my youth was I was on a school trip to Bar and Park, which was some. It was near um, mm-hmm. um, Shrewsbury or something like. That. Some big, like it's a big building. You know, it's a big building. You go there, and there's loads of other schools there at the same time. You do loads of activities for a week, like archery, shooting, horse riding, all this sort of stuff. Discos in the evening and things like that. So one night, um, and you have a, like a, a, a counselor, for want of a better word, some 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 adult who's looking after your group. It's usually a young sort of a young person, as was this young woman, sort of in her early twenties. And uh, I'd seen some. There's a couple of guys who were in the main hall, who apart from from some other school, who were doing some break dancing, and they were really really good. So I was really impressed. But I was the only one cool. down there seeing it. So I went back up to our room where everyone else was because we all shared a big room. 
and walked in going, I'm not going to swear, but I swore copiously. Uh, just walked into the room going, these effing guys were made swore like i was saying and then as i turned the corner the camp counselor was just stood there looking at me <laughs> um and um, very smoothly i thought of myself sort of thing because i was still in this monologue of of swear words just sort of cut out of it and just went oh you're right and just sat on my bed <laughs> and uh yeah i always just remember that but that's the first time i actually saw breakdancing in the wild should we say in the wild yeah wild uh, breakdancers um, but, just like. but no i never i was never any good at it because I'm, I'm just not built that way no um, you're not built that way no, bloody hell. I'm, I'm not drawn that way <laughs> no, i literally it would be a break dance for me something <laughs> would break that's what i mean i broke things while not, dancing and, i was gonna say and it, exactly and i might not be my things that broke i might just end up you know punching somebody out or did you not think you know, that the third the third version the third game style in this was uh do you remember the um I thought, to me, it was. Remember Mastermind? Yeah, where you, yeah, where you had to do the the colours thing, and then you put in the yeah. white or black dots. That's yeah, what that's it what was, it, that's what it was, wasn't it? It was really yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like an amalgamation it was a puzzle of one. Yeah, breakdancing and Mastermind. Who thought of that? Someone who'd never breakdanced clearly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think the biggest thing to take away from this game is that rhythm action, copying the moves would be seen in you know way down the line. Yes. Like I said, Parappa, Space Channel Five. I could list loads of um, rhythm action games that do that thing. Well, yeah, and let's not forget that in California games, Epics revisit this territory a little bit for the hacky sack. The hacky sack, yeah. yeah. Similar. Yeah. Similar. It's not follow the leader, but it's similar. Yeah. Overall, though, it's not a very good game, is it? No, it's crap. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> it's, it's, break, it's break pants, is what it is. <laughs> Oh, it's brown pants. Yeah. No. Well, it probably would be for some. Don't do that on a full, on a, on a full Sunday dinner. That's going to be more than brown pants. You're going to be full on... Brown France. You're going to be full on Yorkie puddying. That's it, you will. That's a, that's, a, that's a breakdancing move. Oh, my God, he's done the Yorkie pudding. He's done the Yorkshire pudding. And he shit himself. That, that's a good thing. Oh, dear. Oh. He's making gravy. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh, I've just got this idea of like a Sunday lunch being all the names of um, oh the names yeah the gravy boat he's doing the gravy boat <laughs> <laughs> he's mixed that with the, he's mixed that with the, uh, the, the with the roast potato straight like, to like the, the mashed potato straight to the chicken wing <laughs> <laughs> he's attempting the Brussels sprout and the garden peas <laughs> Actually, Garden P would be the DJ. Yeah, it would be, actually. Spelt with, with an I. <laughs> We've spoken too long about breakdown. We have. Let's we have. move on now. Let's move on uh, to our next one. We've got three left. Uh, so this is Return of the Space Warriors. And this got 80%. It's £1.99. And this is Eggy Joust. Egg. It's eggy joust. It's eggy joust. It's, it's, it's jeg. It's like, yeah, if you, saw, if you saw someone walking down the road and you could call them eggy joust. Here he comes, look, it's eggy joust. It's, it's, honestly, it's got Edward the Egg in it from the planet Egg. It's so eggy. So it's eggy. My notes here just say it's eggy joust, single screen flying eggs, inertia based movement, and tap the button to fly higher. Collide with other eggs from above to destroy them and collect whatever it is they leave behind. Destroy all the other eggs on the level to progress towards the next harder level. Faster eggs and other bad things appear sporadically to kill you. It's joust. 
joust. It's yeah, joust. Totally joust. It is yep. basically eggy joust. It there's is. nothing that's the sprites uh, again this suffers from what i said about wizards later i think sprites are a bit big for the screen could have all been shrunk down somewhat to allow for more screen space yeah. still it's eggy joust if you like joust you'll probably like this zap, yeah. zap obviously did because they said it's the best joust alike on the system at the moment probably is yeah i don't know i've not seen any others 80 percent they gave it it is joust is do you like this? joust are you a joust uh, are you a joust yeah, are you a jouster yeah, i do I do like Joust, and this is the eggiest version of Joust ever. <laughs> and I tell you what, this wins the award for the most use of the word egg in any instructions <laughs> on a game ever, because this is full of egg. Just let me... This part is Edward Egg from the planet Egg leads a difficult life. Living on egg is a real headache, since all the inhabitants are called Edward, which look like eggs. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a sentence. Edward's name is chosen from a list of inhabitants, also called Edward Egg. <laughs> anyway... Premise of stupidity aside, yeah. it is joust, and for one ninety nine, it's not a little, it's not a bad little eggy based joust clone. I quite like the humour of it. If you're going to make a game with loads of eggs and stuff in it, make it like this. Yeah, you got to collect the yolk helmet. That did make me laugh a lot. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a horrible euphemism. <laughs> I know. I've, I've split the yolk helmet. <laughs> Tell me about it. And you have to, you actually fight the grand egg at one point. Um, so it's just, <laughs> is this game interesting? It's definitely exciting. Uh, Someone had to do that and it had to be me. I played it and I, it was a, a kind of a, it was Joust. It was just Joust. It is Joust. I like Joust. And it's, is it the only, is there a version of Joust on the C64 at this point? I don't remember there being one. So it might be the eggiest Joust ever, but it might also be the onlyest Joust ever. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's a, probably a port of Joust by this point somewhere along the line, but. Yeah, with different kind of kitchen food. So there's bacon. <laughs> Um, well, they were ostriches, weren't they? So you could just I love you, the fact that they call this Return of, the, Return of the Space Warriors. No mention of the word egg in that title. No, and I believe that is a. It should just Return of the Space Egg. That would have been. That, that would have caught my eye. That, my egg. That sounds like a Genesis album. <laughs> if I'm honest, we're talking about progs, progs to Billy Ron. Is that it new album? Does. Return of the Space Egg. Space Egg. <laughs> Because you could see Peter Gabriel coming out of an egg yeah. <laughs> at the start. Like, like, like Spinal Tap, where they come out of those eggs and Ex- that exactly. one of them open, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, very exactly. good. Yeah, uh, so uh, it was Joust, and I, I like Joust. It, it, it got 80%, didn't it? And I think that's probably about right for a Joust game. It, it played fast enough. It wasn't terrible. It was just... No, 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 no. It was just, it, like you say, it all felt a little bit big and a bit clumpy and a yeah, bit it's silly. Yeah, it's because of the inertia and the speed you move... Because of the digital input, you, which obviously Joust has. Joust is much smaller sprites, isn't it? It's the little guys on ostriches. But it felt like there was more space on the screen to get through the gaps. This, Those sprites are chunky and you move fast and you bounce. You bounce hard. You do. Did you spot? Did did you download the instructions for this? No, I did not. No. There's a there's a hilarious spelling mistake in the instru- instructions where they refer instead of it being the yoke helmet, they were. They refer to it as a York helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it says, you must complete these waves to collect all the York helmets. <laughs> I did laugh out loud. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. I've been to York. Um, I, but I don't remember collecting any of their helmets. So it's all right. So, yeah, it's all right. It's funny. I like the, I like the fact that it didn't take itself seriously at all. So, well, you can't do it. It's just eggy joust. It's all egg. It's all egg, that one. It's all egg. But but thankfully not dog egg. No, that's the one egg it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And that, we should be thankful for that. Just make sure uh, you collect all those York helmets. 
<laughs> well, to be fair, that sounds preferable to yoke helmets. <laughs> Let me show you my yoke helmet. Oh, he's got full albumen. <laughs> <laughs> That's not albumen. <laughs> the chief of the colonial warriors, by the way, flies a blue egg ship. Of course he does. <laughs> With his yoke helmet yeah. on full display. I think yeah. I think the thing is, right, I'm just going to, full disclosure here, I think this just plays into our liking for the word egg. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah, have a, there is that. So, you know, if, you, if you're going to make a game and you're going to make it around eggs and you just say the word egg a lot, we've got to be on board. <laughs> if, if it's like that or bread, it would have got me sold. Absolutely. I'd love whiz ball better if it was whiz egg. <laughs> You could well, yeah. You could substitute all of the words in that description for the word bread, egg, <laughs> anything you like. It's just you know, just take the way. I, I might do it and just post a couple of variants. Brown. Yes, yes, yes. The <laughs> egg battle platforms and the the yolk helmets. Brown helmets. <laughs> in the ring. Tra la la. Anyway, no more. No more. Eggy joust. Eggy joust. We have mentioned. We have talked about egg joust far too much. Well, it'd be like eggy bread. I like eggy bread. Everyone likes eggy bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine some of our um, international listeners might be wondering what eggy bread is. It's bread with egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. It's very simple, really. <laughs> Put some egg on your bread. <laughs> you have eggy bread. You need exactly. to you need to crack the egg first and have it yeah, soft boiled. <laughs> Don't just Actually, no, no, put just... eggs on top of your bread. Because <laughs> then you've just got egg on bread. Okay. <laughs> That crack them. That's the that's the key. Crack them and then you fry them. You normally fry them, don't you, eggy bread? Yeah. Well, yes, yes, you do. Yes, you put it yeah. in a pan. <laughs> that's, that's how you normally fry things. Oh generally. man, this recording oh, is right. going on for ages. Right. <laughs> it is. Uh, Graham, tell us about Seamus. So Seamus is the action adventure by Synapse Office. Synapse Office had released most of this crap, by the way, and it made it to the C64. So I think it's an old game, 1980, I want to say 1983. This was kind of a weird mixture of berserk. Um, it is berserk. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a berserky kind of game. You've got It's a maze game. You're running around the maze. There's lots of creatures running at you and you have to shoot them with your shooty shooty stick. So it's essentially a mixture of, I felt it was a mixture between Gauntlet, a one player Gauntlet and Berserk with a bit of a puzzle game thrown in. For the price, it's kind of passable. It's got some nice little bits in it here and there and it gets really crazy. If you play it on some of the harder difficulty levels, because you can choose difficult levels, they are crazy hard. Mm. But that's Berserk as well. Berserk's like that. Um, you'd never complete this game in a billion years, ever. In a million years. It gets harder and harder and harder to the point when um, it would just be too difficult to... I have to be careful how you end that sentence after our egg conversation. <laughs> it gets harder and harder and harder until the yoke helmet explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... it's 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 It got 51%. It's about bang on for a game that's ultimately average and based on games we've all seen before. Um, I didn't think it offered anything new or interesting. It's berserk mixed with gauntlet. One player, run around, shoot things, avoid the walls, avoid the enemies, get to the end of the maze and then go to the next screen. Repeat, repeat until you get through all the screens. And if you're an absolute genius, you might get to the end. I doubt it, though. What did you think? Awful. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was absolute. This is dog egg. Uh, it's a berserk yeah. clone. I put one on the screen and shoot stuff berserk style. Rubbish sprites, awful music. That was it. 1983, ouch. I just thought this was one of the worst we played um, in amongst all the ones we've done of this budget roundup. 
It was shockingly bad. It was, I didn't even think it was a particularly good Berserk clone. No, but this was this was 1983, it, this yeah, game. I know it was 1983, I get that. But then again, we were equally as harsh on Neutral Zone. I don't believe that this is 42% better than Neutral Zone. No, 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 no. This was de- very derivative. I just thought it was awful. Um, and blocky as well. The graphics weren't right. But there is a kind of a weird gauntlety feel to it. I get the... Yeah, I, I do understand that. But I... I, I, I no, I, 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 way, I didn't get on with this in the slightest. I thought I no. thought it was awful. They've dressed it in loads of fancy language as well. Robo, Robo-droids and Shadow's Lair and Nervo-Stim. And you can, that's always a, a telltale sign when if they've dressed up the instructions with lots of... <laughs> Fancy text. The game's going to be absolute pantaloons. Well, maybe. Let's get to the next one. Yeah. So the last okay. one, the last one, Sentinel. Did you, I don't know. Did you have anything more to say about Seamus? No, no, no. no I no. just, it was, I, I played it very quickly and I was off it very quickly. Yeah. Just not really interesting. So our last one, Sentinels, two ninety nine. This gets ninety three percent. Is another big one. So this is a uh, Star Raiders style type thing. So galactic battle wages on between the Gorgonites and the Jarolobians. Gorgonites. Yeah, the Gorgonites, and you are you are the Jarolobians' last hope, and you must fight in various modes in three D space against the evil Gorgoniters. It's a Star Star Raiders variant where you pick a sector on a grid. Fly there through hyperspace, you avoid rocks, and you fight whatever's in the sector you've chosen to fly to. It could be enemy craft, or it could be giant motherships, and you can also head back to your own base ship for repair and refueling. Again, strange enough, you have to go through the uh, the minefield, first of all, which is strange. I thought this was quite interesting. It's quite atmospheric. Mm. Um, there's lots of nice effects going on. The presentation is top-notch. It always keeps you in it. That, that grid effect is really nice, the way it draws its grid and trays everything everything moves at a really fast click we've played lots of these 3d type style of games you know and a lot of them have been garbage but this actually manages to pull the whole thing together and for being what it's about two three years old at this point 1984 whatever this is pretty impressive there's loads of cool stuff going on i mean the, the sound effects are okay they do exactly what the job's supposed to do the sprites uh play to the c64 strengths they don't try and do this could have been a vector nightmare because i put this here that you know this could have been something like starion and other garbage where vectors are seen as the in thing but it doesn't it uses you know 3d you know uses sprites so keeps it nice and fast plays to the c64 strengths i thought this was pretty good there's loads of different scenarios to play through from skirmishes to full-on battles in that respect it kind of felt like uh sky fox um and there's loads of different ways to do it it's all in a single load for three quid this would be something if i bought this for three quid i'd be well happy because I think there's there's loads of game here. They're all a bit. It get, might get a bit samey because you know you're shooting stuff, you're finding bits. Um, I thought it was a bit weird that if your target reticule was on the left, you fired from the right because it's like I want to. <laughs> it takes longer for my bullet to get there. Um, <laughs> but I quite you know I, 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 once you get used to that. There are you know so the the sections you can fly through. You you you'll might through to a section where there's loads of enemy spaceships. So you've got to sort of track them down. You fly you fly where they are, and then you, they'll appear and you shoot them. There's a sequence where you have to fly through a sort of raster bar type effect as you're going through a sort of minefield. There's loads of mines, and then you get to the big spaceships, big base ships, and you've got one chance to fire a big rocket into its you know into its exhaust port or whatever it is. This is good. Uh, I enjoyed this. For uh, again, a, a game I had no history with never played it or anything what about you do did you like the same Um, i mean i felt it was a little bit headache inducing because it's kind of it's a bit color stroboscopic and stuff but you know what this in the way this game plays out there's some really nice little touches in it so the way the screen kind of lowers and the text appears and then Mm. it kind of rolled back up again and 
little touches, little touches like that. The star effect, like you say, is very nippy. The controls are kind of fast. Feels what you're flying from A to B that you've got like a, you know, this this flight in there and the shooting parts are quite good. It's quite psychedelic and strobey in a way, but those effects are... Remember, this game came out way before anything else that had these effects and used them badly. This actually uses them pretty good in mm. those in, yeah, yeah. in its early kind of way. And at the end of the day, there's a lot to this for 299. So I thought this was actually one of the best budget games we played. Mm. I thought that the, the way... It, the presentation of this game was really excellent and it really came across as much more than a 299 budget game. And I really enjoyed my time with it. And I think it's it would have been well worth the money that you paid for it back at 299 HQ back in the day because it doesn't feel like a game that was made in 1983-4. There's enough visual effects in this game to make it look like it's far more modern than that. And mm. it runs at a nice pace. And then the shooting parts, and when you're flying around, I really like those parts. It was really fast. It felt like there was a real pace to it. And that, that star effect that it's got reminded me a little bit of like uh, Crazy Comets. Mm. Yeah. You know, the way that they rolled around. Nothing wrong with that. And it ran at that pace. And you was also doing other cool stuff as well. It was neat. It was a really neat little game. Two ninety nine is a bargain for something like that. For a Sizzler of 93%, two ninety nine. well, it's beating some of these full price games hands down at that kind of store yeah, so de definitely worth it and easily one of the best budget games and we've played I think, I think you're right and it keeps its pace going because like when you're traveling across the grid you pick where you want to go it draws that line mm. doesn't it and off you go and it's not too long traveling it, it could so what was that one we played where you got to go through that boring uh square oh, tunnel God, was, was it empire so yeah yeah that one. this you know empire take a look at this this is how you do yeah. you know it's yeah. fast and quick and you you you, you know you bringing up your shields to block the uh incoming asteroids or yeah. whatever as you're traveling through hyperspace yeah. but it's over in like 10 15 seconds no matter how far you're going it's quick you're right and when those enemies are firing at you the sprites that they fire they might get a little bit blocky but they're fast they're coming at you really fast mm. and you've got to dive and move about i liked it i liked it a lot yeah yeah sentinel good probably i think the two standouts from all this Cheapest creeper stuff for me, probably. Uh, let's let's, let's think of these off sort of thing. I probably Sentinel and Hess Games. Hess Games definitely, without a doubt. And I think the hidden super influencer in there, without a doubt for me, is New York City. Because maybe... I cannot, I cannot shake the feeling that that is Grand Theft Auto in disguise at a very early stage. <laughs> at a very can, early age. Can't. Yeah, um, I think Breakdance as well, maybe for its rhythm action. Yes, early... again, another one, early Genus, and the games that are beyond reproach booty really even though i like it's for its sentimental value it is crap and it's probably best we never talk about neutral zone ever again yeah probably not we got any we want to put in i mean leaderboard obviously from our full, the main games for the yeah, main game. leader, leaderboard has to go in boulder dash three i don't know uh, i don't I like the Boulder Dash games. I don't think that Boulder Dash 3 is doing Boulder, the Boulder Dash games any favours by changing those graphics out. I'm, I just think it's a bit of a misfire. Yeah, I think you might be right. Looking at the list of games that we've got, you know, if we're picking out of Mermaid Madness, you know, um, Southern Bell, Godness, may you know. The solo flight games were an interesting surprise for me. Uh, but Leaderboard's really the kind of standout game out of all of them, really. In a, in a weirdly... All the other games are outdone by the budget variants uh, for me. So mm, definitely, I agree completely. There you go. So that's all our games. So what have we looked at in this one? Uh, we looked at Boulder Dash, Bombo, Biggles, 
Solo Flight Plus and Acrojet, Max Headroom. And then in our Cheapest Creepers section, we looked at Slam Ball, Neutral Zone, Breakdance, Return of the Space Warriors, or Eggy Joust, uh, Seamus, <laughs> and Sentinel. Now, there was one game that we didn't look at, and that game was that was reviewed uh, this month. Well, there was actually another one. There was Golf Construction Kit, but we don't do Construction Kit, so we can't be bothered with that. But there was also Conan was re-reviewed, um, and we did that back in Episode 4. Uh, you know, and it was crap then. I don't yeah. think. I mean, they gave it twenty eight percent. I don't think we needed to waste any more time on it, no. did we? No, no, we did not. We did not. Right. So we thought they were dead. We thought we weren't going to find any more horrors, but we have some crap birds. Um, <laughs> because when you don't think anything can happen, anything better can turn up. They give you Mantronics. <laughs> <laughs> What is this? It's from Probe, Probe again. Probe Software are, are leaders in the Crapvert. Now, crap is it my imagination? Did Probe Software end up making... Um, there was the game that was released on the Sinclair Spectrum um, that had really big main sprite in it. I can't, I, I can't remember the name of it now. It'll come to me, but I'm pretty sure that was Probe. But when the name comes back to me, I'll try to remember it. But this, on the other hand, <laughs> is anatomically diverse, for want of a better description. Um <laughs> <laughs> Those faces. You know, aside from the robot in the middle, which, which again, why do they always make robots wear pants? Under, like robot pants, robot underpants. And also put his name in the middle of his chest. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah, and, he, and he has to have the obligatory button in his belly button buttoned. What does that do? That's got to be his fart button, isn't it? Because why would you need a button where your belly button is unless it's going to be one that makes you want to poo or something? And also, what's he um, carrying in his right hand? <laughs> What is that? That looks like a fleshlight. It's, My God. This <laughs> Maybe that's his Mantronics. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're all looking at him with those kind of weird looks. <laughs> those faces. Pudgy face Magoo on the top left there. Looks like, um, he looks like, um, what's his that actor's name? He was in, uh, he's in the Marvel films. He's in the Captain America first film. Yeah. yeah. Tim, no, Tar, what's his name? The, the gentle Ben guy a little bit. That's a bit <laughs> like Actually, yeah, he does like that. Oh, but if you think about it, if you if you were going to equate this to anybody, you've got on the top left, you've got the guy from Gentle Ben. Bottom left, you've got one of the proclaimers <laughs> with, with, with like glasses on because he's gone to sleep. He's got Homer. Yeah. He's got Homer glasses, he's got Homer glasses on. <laughs> the top right, you've got Timothy Dalton, and the bottom right, you've got kind of a variant of Nosferatu mixed with Ming. <laughs> So, you know, Nosferatu the Merciless All there. this while floating in space in front of a planet and a, and, now, a, and a robot with its name on its chest. If this was a game where one of the Proclaimers was made to fight Mantronics to the death, <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And you have to go 500 miles. That's That, that game writes itself. But uh, looking at those screens, this looks like an A-N other isometric mo- monochromatic pile of caca. Yeah. And the robot in the middle is... Why is he stood on one foot? <laughs> Why is he stood on one foot? I don't know. It's to balance out the fleshlight. Is <laughs> yeah, a, a, a red-eyed... No, he's got red eyes with all that fleshlight abuse he's doing. Also, it's very pink. It's very pink as well, that fleshlight. It's, I don't like the asymmetrical stuff on the top of his helmet as well. It's like, which helmet? We're talking about it. Be careful. <laughs> the, the one with the red eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah has he got spikes and and one's got like a, there's a little antenna off to the right and then there's a sp- oh I don't know it's terrible the forced, forced perspective on the Mantronics logo at the top just no just no 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 now I can't draw people I'm not very good at drawing at all but uh, those things look like they were drawn by somebody who's got an equitable <laughs> skill 
no, these four characters, they haven't given those characters names, have they? Which I think they would, but... Well, I think anyway, even the uh, bottom left is called Mail Order. He's Mail Order. <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling that this is the what happened to Buddy Holly and the Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> this is where they ended up. They ended up floating yeah. in space around yeah, they, a flashlight-wielding robot. They weren't in a plane crash. They were transported through a time warp ended up, you know, in this monstrosity and nobody should have metal underpants and their name <laughs> on the, emblazoned on their on their body like that. No. He's got very manly chest peck robot pecs, hasn't he? It's Massive. Very, but, he's got good but, he's got, but he's got air vents on his pecs. What is going on there? What comes out of that? What would come out of those air vents on his pecs? I mean, that might be where his lungs are, so he breathes through his chest. Man, like But can you just imagine stood in front of him and he's just feeling his breath come out of his chest? You'd be like, oh. <laughs> Just no, and he's got no mouth, so he can't speak. No, he just he communicates with flashlight, and that is very worrying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible, ter- yeah, it's a terrible advert. Awful, it is um, awful. Okay, that's Mantronics. We got another man next. Oh my goodness me, what is that? <laughs> well, right, this is Mand- Mandragore, which is the making of a legend. I just want to draw is your it? attention to the twist of that man's body. <laughs> it's perspectively challenging because no no body i tried doing this when i saw this i stood up and i tried to twist my body that way and it's impossible i even got my partner coming who's an illustrator who's an illustrator and to look at it i went is that possible he went, no no that's that's not possible you see, you're not france's award-winning role-playing epic hey you're not you're not uh you're not a mandragore i'm not this is by Infograms, which is quite interesting because Infograms would go on to become, I believe, Ubisoft. Yeah, they they do exactly that. So this has got this is probably one of their very early games. That typeface they've used, I'm pretty sure I've got that typeface. I think it's one of the standard Windows typefaces now. So, but just like, yeah, well, yeah. But let's just come to this. So this says this is Mandragore. So we've got a, like a, a purple to pink gradient background. We've got the Infograms logo yeah. at the bottom along with where it's available. So it's Mandrigo across the top. And in the center, we have this drawing. Now, this is the making of a legend, says France's award-winning role-playing epic now available in English. And in the middle, we have like a post, well, not post stamp, but sort of taking up like about a quarter of the page or half the page, whatever. Mm. We have this image of this guy with who looks like he's wandered out of um, a Man of War or, or Queensryche or... He does. Some, some some kind of album. He's twisted. He's got his 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 his, his top half is slightly facing. To, he's got his left arm facing forward, wielding I don't know a, a, a sparkly branch. He's got a, a, some kind of like there's, there's twirly bits, but he's just walking on a on a bit of rock in the middle of nowhere. Well, you say rock. I think that looks like a giant fruit pastel. <laughs> Well, there is that. None of this says the making of a legend. France's award-winning role-playing epic. No. And also no. as well, because his bottom half, his legs, are twisted the other way. You'll see what we mean when... Obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see this. If not, and you watch, you listen to this on podcast, just go to the website and or just go type Mandragore advert and look, because that body... No human body twists that way. No. And... Um... It doesn't know because it's essentially his his obliques would be pointing the same direction as his penis. Yeah, Painful. exactly. <laughs> so that's that, that's going to require surgical intervention. He's also he's another character in these adverts sporting a bulge. He's got a he's got a pant bulge. So he's got a sporran essentially. This guy. So is he Scottish? He's got a, he's got a sporran. Um, I don't know. It's a bad bad advert. And are they shoes? I like to think that he's just wearing really thick socks. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't look like boots or shoes. Just, and he's just prancing around in his thick socks on a <laughs> on a fruit pastel on a, on, a, on a dark on a dark night on a giant fruit pastel. 
<laughs> very, it's, it's free. It's very free in that image. You know, you've got to admire his Mandragori freeness. Yeah. Stupid name but, uh, as well. Mandragor, yes. I suspect it's a mandragon, but um, I'm not sure no. of the gore part. No. I, suppose, but I bet we end up playing it at some point. It's available for the CBM signal. Well, yep, yeah, um, it might turn up at some point. We still haven't had Legend of the Amazon Women, but I think that's coming up. So there we go. So uh, we said there would be no more. We lied. <laughs> Do you remember when I said there would be no more? I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I lied. lied. And who knows? It's always going to be a couple. They yeah. might pop up now and again. So and we'll always be here to laugh at them, um, which is uh, <laughs> right as free thinking, um, you know, whatever. Uh, yes. Right. Let's go to our charts. What have we got in Commodore user, uh, Commodore 64 chart? It's all new just about. Look at that. It's all new. Mm, uh, eight, from? eight of uh, Commodore user. Mm. Uh, eight of the top 10 are new. So new in at number 10 is off the hook. Uh, that's a uh, charity compilation, I believe. Right. Uh, down to number nine is Iridium. In at number uh, eight is They Sold Two. Well, <laughs> which doesn't sound impressive. <laughs> <laughs> is that They Sold a Million or something? I think it's They Sold a Million Two. Um, but if they just they sold two, it's like, yeah, we sold we two. We sold two. We sold two. Woo! Yeah, down to number seven is Bomb Jack. All the rest are new in. New in at number six, Formula One Simulator, which we haven't seen yet. That's a Rob Hubbard soundtrack for that. Yeah, it is, yeah. New in at number five, Spellbound. New in at number four. Rob Hubbard soundtrack for that. (laughs) New in at number four is PSI 5 Trading Company. There it is. Uh, New in at number three is Spin Dizzy. New in at number two is International Karate. And taking the top spot is uh, new in is Thrust. So there you go. Finger in their keyboards like crazy. There you go. Uh, According to uh, CNVG, the top 10 was number 10 was Kane. Number nine was Super Bowl. Number eight was They Sold Two. Um, <laughs> seven was Iridium. Six, PSI Five Trading Company. Five, International Karate. Four, Spin Dizzy. Three was V. Ah. Uh, two was Bomb Jack. Eee. And number one, again, was Thrust. Mm, thrusty. Yeah, Thrust. There we go. So that's it. There we go. What we got coming up next? Next oh, couple of episodes. It is a doozy. Oh, it's one of my favourite games ever. We've got Core. I don't know what Core is, whether that's an adventure game. Anyway, we've got Green Beret. Uh, there it is. Icup, uh, Infiltrator, Kickstart 2, mm. Legend of the Amazon Women, Mandragore. We see it. We get it. it we're going to see it. Interestingly, Kickstart 2 is the is a CBM 128 only game. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I had Kickstart 2. Not that version didn't. <laughs> okay. Murder on the Mississippi. I don't know which of these are get adventures or not. Mystery Voyage, Nexus. Mm. Oh, do you remember all the brouhaha with Nexus? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was was... bullshit, bullshit packaging. Yeah, and all the bullshit. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Hollow one and two, which is that crap yeah. that we saw the other month. It is. Uh, Saboteur. Oh, goodness me. Sam Fox Strip Poker. Ew. <laughs> Shogun. I can't uh, wait to talk about Shogun because I recently watched the miniseries and it is god awful. Oh, is it? So, oh, it's so oh, bad. Dear. I think I've got a feeling Mandragore, you know, is going to be a text adventure because it's in this section with um, yeah, Mystery Voyage that. and Standing Stones. We've got Superstar Ping Pong. Uh, not to be confused with Superstar DJ. Uh, there we go. We've got Tau Seti. Ooh, now I like Tau Seti back in the day, mm, so I'd we'll be interested to replay that. Time Tracks, Touchdown Football, and we've got Ew. Tubular Bells. Ugh, got right case of the Tubular Bells. <laughs> so that's what we've got coming up. Green Beret, Green Beret. Great Green Beret, Green Beret, Green Beret, Beret, Green Beret. Mm. That's interesting that it's a Sizzler, but not a gold medal. Yeah, it was, it was never going to be a gold medal. I can I can see the reasons why it wouldn't be. But we'll, we'll to see that. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, right, so there we go. My God, that was a lot. 
Yes, we crammed in a lot of games. Yeah, I think there's 20... Well, we were only complaining a couple of episodes ago. We didn't have any. <laughs> no, that's true. Two episodes ago, we had uh, 12 games. 12. This one, we had 24. <laughs> it just all adds to the big game count at the end of the year when we uh, add them all up and see how many we've played. It does. Plenty more for our, uh, for our awards ceremonies. <laughs> so there we go. Uh that's a lot of games that was a big episode a couple of episodes so we hope you've enjoyed that and I think on that note because it's getting quite late isn't it we need it to we, we, we need to finish so there we go uh, let's just go uh, I've been Adrian Mills I have been Graham Raddings and you've been listening to Zaps to the Past we'll see you next week thanks for listening and bye bye thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.